This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Are you ready? It's Rich, My Take Radio, episode 86, for Thursday, April 7th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Pantera's Walk. You can get that from a Pantera's Greatest Hits album, and it was also used by Rob Van Dam in ECW. So you guys know where to find that stuff. I'm not going to tell you because it would probably not be anything legal. So by all means, you guys know where to find that stuff. Um, of course, the caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right. We got a couple of things. I'm adding a couple of new additions. Um, I actually want to add, um, I wanted to add a monologue this week just to go over a couple of broad stroke topics. Uh, but first off, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Um, my guest this evening will be Bloodstain Lane. From Team Takeover, you can see any of Bloodstain Lane's blogs at YouTube.com/TeamTakeover. You can also follow him on Twitter at Bloodstain Lane, and those are the two best ways to reach him. He's also on Facebook. It's Facebook.com/BloodstainLane. Lane. You can head over to his fan page and uh, let him know whether you're a bozo that likes him or a bozo that doesn't. Um, he will be joining us hopefully by 11:30. So. Definitely tune in for that because it's going to be a uh, – we had intended to do it a couple of weeks back, but uh, there were some miscommunications in regards to time, so it should be a kick-ass appearance by the, the one and only leader of Team Takeover. So keep an eye out for that at 1130. A couple of new posts have gone up this week. I wanted to actually put up a post regarding the Street, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Unfortunately, Capcom pulled the video and the few videos that are there you cannot embed. Of course, the uh, downloadable content was announced for Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, giving you access to Yoon and Yang, um, Oni, and Evil Ryu, which looks really good. They also added some improved lobbies and replaying systems, so you'll be able to check that out as soon as I get a video. Also, keep an eye out for Slick's post on Archer this week, which should probably be up at some point late tonight or at some point later tomorrow, so keep an eye out for that and all the other content that will be going up over the course of the next few days. In some Facebook fan page news, we have broke 800 fans. Just want to say thanks to all of those that have uh, decided to follow us on Facebook. We appreciate it. 800 fans, next stop is 1,000. No, I'm not uh, discounting the fact that 900 should be next, but 1,000 is a really nice number, and that shows that there are actually 1,000 people on this planet that give a shit about what we got to do every week. So much appreciated for all those that are already fans. And for those of you that aren't, what the fuck are you waiting for? Hit that like button and show your support. Help us reach 1,000 fans. I really would like to hit that before celebrating our 100th episode. And by the way things are going, I'm sure we can do it. Also got a 
Shout out our content partners, This Week in Wrestling's podcast, and, of course, MMA Valor for all their great content. Uh, this Week in Wrestling provided a really great lead-in for WrestleMania, and, of course, MMA Valor, with his Bellator coverage and other assorted articles, is always there to lend a hand as well. Our T-shirts have been pulled temporarily only because they are being redesigned. Keep an eye out for new designs coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, a couple of new styles, too, male, female, double XL. We're going to try and put some hoodies out there and a couple of other things. Mist is also going to be adding an article probably for NXT at some point this week. I know she was looking to combine episodes only because NXT is complete rubbish. Uh, the forums have actually been purged. Those of you that have not used accounts within the 90 days, your accounts may have already been deleted. If they have not, it is obviously because you message me and let me know not to delete your shit. Please make it a point that if you're going to join the forum to stay active because I really just don't like seeing dead accounts. I'm a weirdo like that. So I will delete your shit. Recognize that. Every 90 days there is a purge and your shit's getting deleted. Easy peasy. All right. Tonight's topics, we're going to, of course, speak to Bloodstain Lane regarding the current state of MMA. We're going to discuss Strike Force. We're going to talk about some of the stuff he's put up in his video blogs, including a very interesting 10-page thread on Dog dedicated to him that I actually had the pleasure of reading this afternoon. He also had two articles done by uh, MMA fighter Aaron McDougall out of Canada. She wrote two really great articles about him. Um, so I want to definitely go into that a little bit. We're going to discuss Monday, uh, Monday Night Raw, of course, and WrestleMania, which was huge. A lot of mixed reviews coming in for WrestleMania. Uh, we got your video game news. We got your movie news. We got stuff from last week that I missed that I'm going to try and touch on this week, uh, both for video game and for movie news, so keep an eye out for that. Um, our guest list pretty much for the month of March is, is practically full. We have a no pun intended, a pretty full dance card. Uh, we got a couple of people in there. We got Bloodstain Lane this week, Kong Lee next week. Michael Jai White was supposed to join us for the 21st, but um, actually, I fucked that up. I did say March, didn't I? Thank you, Slick. Slick is always there to uh, lend a correcting hand. As I was saying, Bloodstain Lane this week, Kong Lee next week. Michael Jai White was supposed to be on for the 21st. Um, he is actually busy promoting the first animated short for Mortal Kombat, which will be debuting on the 12th. So I am not certain if he will be here on the 21st, but if he is, I will, of course, let you guys know. But we are working on a special guest for the 21st. Uh, UFC 129 is the 30th, and we will be doing a UFC 129 fight panel on the 28th. We're going to get some people from Pure Fight Gear in. Uh, we're going to get a... Uh, a stand-up comedian who a lot of people know who is a hardcore MMA fan. He will be joining us. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, and I will make a formal announcement for that on the 21st. And we'll probably have one or two other panel members. So that's what you can look forward to for the month of April. Once again, thank you, Slick, for reminding me. As for May, we're starting to shape up May quite nicely with a lot of different guests. Uh, we got some stuff for some video games. We got some comic book stuff coming up. We're also going to be covering a New York Comic Con in May. It's going to be May 21st and 22nd. You're going to be seeing uh, a lot of footage from that, video, audio, and photo. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get some interviews with some of the celebrities that are going to be there. Uh, oh, shit. Why did my screen freeze? Damn it, Blog Talk Radio. All right, here we go. 
Sorry about that. So we got a, a pretty full calendar. Let's leave it at that. All right. A couple of things I wanted to talk about before getting into the MMA news was last week's show. I actually have a couple of emails from last week's show, and I wanted to discuss them. Nothing, nothing too serious, but I do want to go into it a little bit for a couple of reasons. Last week's show was phenomenal. It was three hours of breaking down the WrestleMania card with the crew from Future Endeavors. We had Corey Santiago, Don Mega, and Fat Man After Dark joined us. We broke down the full card. I was joined on the MTR side of things by Mist and by Bronx. And we, we had a really, really great show. But after doing the show and I spent three days editing it, I noticed a couple of things. Number one, audio issues. Effective immediately, and this applies to guests, MTR staff members, the works. If your audio is shit, I got to cut you off, either hang up and have you call back or reschedule until you figure it out, because some of the audio just could not be fixed. And this isn't the fault of, you know, it could you know, part of it is blog talk radio, part of it is whatever phone line our guests were using, but that that was definitely something that hampered an otherwise solid broadcast. That's number one. Number two, we're definitely going to work on some organization organizational skills in regards to panels. Usually the panels run very smooth. I got a couple of different comments, not necessarily negative, where it was almost like people just went fucking nuts. So definitely going to be more organizational structure in regards to that. There's going to be... Just, you know, not so much people talking over each other. You make your point, you let the other person speak. If you want to interject, say so, and you can have your say. But there was way too much of that. As I was cutting up the audio, there were there were instances where some people were getting cut off, some people were trying to get a word in edgewise. Pandemonium, which added to the to the awesomeness of the show, but in terms of editing capabilities, I wanted to blow my fucking brains out. So with that said there will be some changes instituted in regards to panels and also in regards to audio. So, again, this isn't a, a shout-out on anybody. It's just over the course of the last couple of weeks when it comes to editing shows, I'm noticing a lot of different issues, especially with panels. Last week's panel kind of put it all out there, but prior panels also suffered from the same thing. Now, the other thing I wanted to address was Blog Talk Radio itself. Those of you that have been to Blog Talk Radio today at any point have noticed that there have been some subtle changes, but one thing I have noticed is that the audio qualities for the shows, after they are completed and archived, are complete shit. I don't know, they get encoded to mono and they get encoded to the lowest bit rate possible. I think Johnny Five and Short Circuit had a better bit rate than what I've heard in previous episodes. As such... I am looking at other venues to try and use. Right now, I am investigating Shoutcast and possibly just creating a My Take Radio station, which may be comprised of other shows. I will let you guys know if that's how I proceed with, if I proceed with that and what's going to be involved. I'm also looking at another platform called Talk Shoe, which is similar to Blog Talk Radio but provides a couple of other things a couple of other services, uh, including multiple chats that can be accessed by people across the world, not just in the U.S., but 
that's something that I'm going to look into a little further, only because I really don't like the fact, especially with those of you that are getting our show from iTunes, I recorded a disclaimer for episode 85, and the audio quality was substantially better from my recording than from what I got from Blog Talk Radio. So those are some of the things I definitely wanted to keep you guys in the loop about, and I, I guess you could call it the opening monologue and, and the state of things. Another thing I noticed in regards to emails if you are going to email, please make sure to let me know how you're getting the show and shit like that. I got an email from a lady in Jersey. Her name was Brandy. She puts, hey, Rich, I caught episode 85. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I actually listened to Future Endeavors and tuned in knowing that the crew was going to be on your show. I really like the fact that the guys knew their stuff and you guys were all able to mesh well together. I really hope you guys have the crew from Future Endeavors on in the future. Also, as a girl, I wanted to throw a shout-out to Miss, letting her know that she kicked ass, and hopefully you can have her on uh, in, in, in a larger capacity for future episodes, only because it's nice to hear women discuss wrestling, much like it's also nice when you have uh, female MMA uh, fans on, as well as female game, gamers as well. Just something I wanted to throw out there. Thanks a lot, Brandy, from, she just puts from Jersey. Uh, thanks for the email. Um, it's nice to see that. I, I appreciate. Uh, I, I like getting the emails. A lot of people feel that the most of the emails I get are, are negative or they detract from the show. Not necessarily the case. Uh, some people just write and they got uh, subtle cues. I got an email from a guy in Jack named Jack from Arizona. He puts, "Hey, been listening to the show on and off. Uh, listened to you from the VGN days. Uh, followed you over to MTR. Kind of thought you weren't doing the show anymore, but." I'm glad to see that you are alive and kicking. Definitely enjoyed last week's panel show. What was up with the audio? There were moments when your audio was really loud and it wasn't. Could just be blog talk radio, which, by the way, sucks. But I've been getting the episodes from iTunes, and I also picked up the app on Android, and it's really kick-ass. Thanks. Again, the audio issues are becoming, are becoming something regular and more people are kind of calling it out. Uh, Josh, of course, who writes for us, brought it to my attention as well because he actually uses the Blog Talk Radio feed as opposed to the iTunes feed, and he said that the Blog Talk Radio RSS feed with the episodes is complete rubbish. So no more griping about that. Those were the two emails I got this week. Again, if you have any emails, if you would like to email with questions, concerns, or to be a guest, hit me up, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, or just stop by the fan page, leave me a message there. I try to go into the fan page while I'm working as much as I can to give you guys little nuggets of content, not necessarily huge articles, but just videos and assorted shit. All right, let's talk some MMA because there is some crazy shit going on. And with that, let's go right into it, shall we? First off, last week I didn't get to talk about a couple of things, so I will go over a few of them just because they kind of fell by the wayside. Last week um, I mentioned that uh, Ricardo Almeida retired um, as a mixed martial artist, but he is already 
going on to a new venture. Um, he actually is working now as an MMA judge in the state of New Jersey, which I find to be really great only because it's it's good to have MMA fighters involved in judging, only because we got assholes like Cecil People still out there that while they are martial artists, they just have no they have no concept of really judging fights. Not only that, but a lot of judges are looking at are looking at instances where they they don't embrace the sport from both avenues. Sometimes people are on the uh, on the uh, bottom position and they're being active, but they're not looking at the fight that way. It almost feels, and Nick Diaz mentioned this in an interview today on MMAfighting.com, that the uh, judging in mixed martial arts is more uh, favorable to the wrestlers only because the wrestlers use more of that lay and pray and short elbow attack. I see that, not to veer off topic, I see that I'm assuming that the audio was a little loud. Please note, and, and this, once again, got to veer off topic. I am actually using my iPad for the soundboard today, so if the sounds are extremely loud, please let me know, only because I have to still work all the bugs out with regards to that. But the iPad is being used as our soundboard instead of using Blog Talk Radio shitty soundboard. So figured you guys would let me know if they're too loud. If they're not, great. If they are, let me know so I can turn that shit down and not leave you guys deaf if you're listening to it in a bathroom or in a basement or in a mental institution or some shit. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Like I said, Ricardo Almeida is going into judging now for the state of New Jersey. Um, whether he only remains in New Jersey remains to be seen, but I really would like to see more retired MMA fighters involve themselves in the judging only because they have a better understanding of the sport than boxing judges especially. Not to take away from boxing judges because they understand the sweet science, but only because there's more to MMA than just striking. Um, I, I think that there were some instances, especially with fights that Cecil People is judged, that Cecil Peoples is judged, where the, he's not looking at the complete, you know, at the complete picture when judge, when judging a fight. One thing I didn't like was a soundbite from him a couple of a uh, couple of months back, where he said that leg kicks don't win fights, which is complete and utter bullshit. If you watch K1, if you watch any kickboxing organization, even guys who have a principal Muay Thai discipline in MMA, you will see that leg kicks are very, very effective. Um, for wrestlers, it eliminates takedowns. If you have good footwork for boxing, it throws your game off a little bit. Leg kicks are crucial. In regards to judging from the uh, ground perspective, you have to look at it that just because somebody's in top position, if you are aggressive from the bottom going for submissions, whether it's triangles or looking for guillotine chokes or even just staying active and, and not succumbing to lay and pray, you really should look into that as well. I mean, I have a lot of different gripes with regards to judging, and I know that um, Bloodstain Lane is going to share some of his opinions with in regards to that, but I just feel that overall judging – with former fighters is definitely a step in the right direction. In some other news, I, I discussed, I believe it was, no, not last week, but the week prior about Thiago Silva being uh, testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, based on the statement that he released, he said that he had taken the performance-enhancing drugs because he was still experiencing 
issues with his back based on a back injury that he had. Afterwards, it was found out that he submitted bogus urine, and he was scheduled to meet with the Nevada State Athletic Commission to hear their verdict on the case. He did meet with them, and turns out he provided a synthetic urine sample in his pre-UFC 125 drug screening. He has been handed the following punishment. He got a $33,000 fine, $33,750. In addition to that, his license has been revoked for 12 months, and his win over Brandon Vera has been overturned to a no contest. Silva did waive his right to an attorney and additional time to prepare, to prepare a defense. He stated the following, I'm here just to tell the truth. I wanted to apologize for what I did. I did what I did because my back was very, very bad a couple of months before the fight. I had not fought in over a year. I was completely broke. I have a family. People depend on my money. I was desperate to do something. I know what I did was wrong. Like I said, I'm so sorry. I had my reasons. People depend on my money, and I had to give them support. You know, a lot of people, especially on Twitter, have been very vocal about um, this particular situation with regards to Chael Sonnen and how Chael Sonnen remains in the spotlight, even though he, too, um, is going before the commission to uh, have a verdict rendered in regards to his issues with uh, high levels of testosterone. Look, some people have gone you know, on tirades on Twitter and, and particularly today about, oh, well, you know, you guys should take into account that he came, he, he, he came clean to the commission and blah, blah, blah. I wasn't like, look, I'm not going to defend or, or, or pass judgment on the guy. The guy, like anybody else, is, is, a, is a working man. He works with his fists versus behind a desk like anybody else. We all have cut corners in some shape, way, or form to get ahead, whether it's professional, from a professional standpoint, whether it's from an athletic standpoint, it happens. I mean, when I did powerlifting in high school, I knew guys that were 16 and 17 years old taking steroids in high school, which, which was insane, you know, be, be, being in high school and seeing a guy in a locker room who, who was substantially strong and, and would go in, in a stall and boom, Nita would come out and he'd inject himself with steroids. It's really crazy. And I can understand if he was taking medication that was banned, that was considered a banned substance, and he was, he was trying to provide for his family. I understand those merits because, you know what, nobody can sit here and, and pass judgment without stepping into a cage. If you get punched in the face for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, then you have a right to pass judgment. But if you're like myself and anybody else who hasn't set foot in an octagon, and experience that, you don't understand what goes into fight preparation between paying trainers and, you know, um, all the associated costs that go with that, plus trying to obtain sponsorship. There's a whole other side of business. There's a whole other side to the business that people don't see. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say that what he did was right, but I'm also not going to sit here and chastise the guy either. He got caught. He admitted it. He's taken his suspension like a champ. $33,000 is a substantial amount of money. And in, in a way, he cut corners to provide for his family, but now it's almost like he's taking a step back because he's got to give that money up to the commission. He'll be back in 12 months. They'll probably The UFC will probably give him another shot, and we'll see how it goes from there. Chael Sonnen, I, I love Chael Sonnen to death. He talks a lot of shit. 
He, he makes the sport exciting. People, again, detractors, oh, you know, Chelsea and the, you know, bullshit, blah, blah, blah. He talks all this shit. The fact is, we need personalities in all aspects, uh, in, in all avenues of sports, whether it's your Terrell Owens and Chad Johnson's in wrestling, whether, you know, you got your Wayne Gretzky's in hockey, your Deion Sanders in football, it, it, you, you know, actually, I, I think I fucked that up. Your, your Chad Johnson's and, and your T.O.'s in football. And, you know, even in basketball, you had your Dennis Rodman's, your Kobe Bryant's, your LeBron James. Re- wrestling is the same thing. These, these sports are built on personalities. There's too, off, there's too many times where people, and I'll reference Nick Diaz again. Nick Diaz is a guy that sits there and he goes in there, he's paid to punch people in the face. He, he's not liked by a lot of people because of his attitude. And look, people are here to do a job. They're not here to make friends. Yeah, you've got to make yourself famous and you've got to make yourself well-known, but sometimes you've got to let your, your, your prowess do the talking instead of you trying to cut a promo every five minutes. I, I talked to a couple of guys that do some shows. They're going to remain nameless. Um, that they emphasize too much of becoming a character instead of being themselves. And some people just, just think that it's complete bullshit. And they, they really would appreciate it if they were themselves. I give you guys three hours of radio every week. Sometimes I'm a little over the top, but that's just how I am in real life. Those of you that know me can, can attest to that. But, again, the guy came clean. Chael Sonnen is in the same predicament. If he gets suspended a year or he has to pay a fine, that's the way shit's going to go. I, I just it, it just frustrates me that so many people can sit there and pass judgment. Look, the guy pissed hot. He used fake urine. You can buy that shit on the Internet. I believe that they actually gave out the site where the guy purchased synthetic urine. So, it, again, I don't advocate it, but it, I understand what, what it's like to also have, not have any money and have your family depending on you and, you know, go to great lengths to provide for them. So it's unfortunate. I wish him the best, and hopefully we'll see him back in 12 months. Chael Sonnen supposedly going before the commission tomorrow. We'll see what happens in regards to that. In some other UFC news, John Fitch had to pull out of UFC 132 due to a shoulder injury. His opponent, BJ Penn, decided instead of getting an opponent, he will return to action at a later date. So with that said, UFC 132's uh, big fight with uh, BJ Penn and Fitch is on hold. What the UFC plans to do with that, don't know, but we'll see how that unfolds with UFC 132. Something really crazy I found out today is that George Lucas's daughter is actually a, 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 a mixed martial artist. She uh, is coming back after a one-year hiatus, and she said the main reason I didn't fight was first I got married and I assured everybody that I wouldn't walk down the aisle looking like a battered woman. Um, Amanda Lucas is taking on Muay Thai fighter Heather Martin this Saturday in Shawnee, Oklahoma at Freestyle Cage Fighting 46. How nuts is that? George Lucas's daughter, MMA fighter. That's some wild shit. Last bit of UFC news. Uh, UFC 131 is now full, uh, official. It's going to be taking place June 11th in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Your main event is going to be Junior Dos Santos and Brock Lesnar. Uh, also on that card is Damian Maya versus Mark Munoz. 
Kenny Florian versus Diego Nunez, Shane Carwin versus John Love. Ah, this guy's name, I'm going to mess it up. I'm, 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 I'm thinking it's Inemo. It's John Olov, Inemo. Uh, Dustin Poirier and Ronnie Yaya are also on that card. On the prelims, you got Anthony Parash and Christoph Szczynski, Donald Cerrone and Mac Danzig, which I hope ends up on Spike TV at least, Darren Elkins and Omigawa, Eve Edwards and Sam Stout, uh, Jesse Bonfeld and Chris Weedman, who is uh, stepping in. Oh, shit, who the hell did he step in for? Fuck. All right, well, and last but not least, Joey Beltran and Dave Herman. UFC 132, a fight that I was super excited to hear about. Vandalay Silva is going to be taking on Chris Lieben at UFC 132. Uh, UFC officials announced that fight earlier this week. Super excited for that. That's July 2nd at the Mandalay Bay Event Center in Vegas. A couple of reasons I'm excited for that. Vanderlei Silva has been wanting uh, a fight with Chris Lieben. Chris Lieben's wanted to fight Vanderlei. He was originally supposed to fight Brian Stan. Then it was rumored that he was going to fight Vitor Belfort. I'm actually excited to see this fight. Both guys just stand up war. It, there's not going to be any fancy shit. It's going to be a bloodbath of people punching each other in the fucking face until someone is unconscious. My money's on Vanderlei just because I'm a huge fan of the Axe Murderer going on to the Pride days. If you've never seen Vanderlei fight in Pride, do yourselves a favor. Hit that button for YouTube and punch that in, Vanderlei Silva. You can see some of the most violent striking in Pride fighting that I've ever seen. And that's not even talking about K1. There's some really violent guys in K1, which I want to talk to Bloodstained Lane about only because he can educate you guys a little bit more on K1. I just got into it, but he can share his knowledge in regards to that. But Vanderlei Silva, Pride, holy shit. And Chris Lieben likes to stand and bang. I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight. And I, I'm really glad they didn't go with Vanderlei and Brian Stan, not because the fight wouldn't have been exciting, but just because the buildup to that fight would have just been very lukewarm. I think that Silva and Lieben is good only because – both guys know how to hype up know how to hype up a fight. Not only that, but there there might be a little subtle trash talk in there that'll help amp that shit up. Definitely excited for it. UFC one thirty two is gonna be sick, July second. And of course Strike Force is this Saturday. Mike Kyle was injured and um Keith Jardine is gonna be stepping in for him and you can watch that tomorrow at ten PM on show uh, excuse me, not tomorrow, Saturday on showtime at ten PM. The main event is Nick Diaz against Paul Daly for the welterweight title, uh, Gilbert Melendez and Kawajiri for the lightweight belt, Musasi and Jardine, and Aoki and Lyle Beerbaum. On the preliminary card, you got Robert Peralta and Hiroyuki Takaya. you got Brett Albee and Virgil Zwicker, um, Saad Awad and Joe Duarte, Casey Ryan and Paul Sung, and Edgar Cardenas versus Rolando Perez for your preliminary fights. Really excited, only because this is one of the you know, one of the first, besides challengers, like one of the bigger fight cards from Strike Force with the Zufa branding behind it. Already you've started to see certain little tweaks that Zufa is doing. One, of course, is elbows to the ground, which are now part of the unified rules. There's also been a lot of changes to production. I'm hearing that they are also changing the set. Fighters won't be coming out with the ramp like they usually do. So we're going to find out how much involvement Zufa really has. I honestly think that 
with Strikeforce Challengers, which was very exciting, and Bellator and MFC and some of the other smaller promotions, that the UFC should really keep Strikeforce around. I, I know we discussed this when I had R.J. Clifford on, but I really would like to see Strikeforce stand on its own, um, even after the deal with Showtime is done, only because they have such a such an ingrained fan base, and I know that a lot of guys that are fans of Strikeforce aren't fans of the UFC for a multitude of reasons, whether it's because of Dana White, whether it's because of the overall presentation. I think that Strikeforce has a future standing on its own, and I also feel that it should be kept around for the women's mixed martial arts only because there's a ton of potential for that, you know, for that gender in mixed martial arts. And if you just give them some time and start working on bringing in some talent and, and helping them grow, women's mixed martial arts can definitely has a place in the UFC. I know that right now the talent pool is severely limited, but now's the time to do it. Um, we've discussed it in prior broadcasts about uh, an ultimate fighter with, with male and female fighters. That would be very interesting. All sharing the same house, training together. I think that the possibilities for, for great television are there. But not only that, it will help build new stars. One thing that I have to uh, give the UFC credit for is that the Ultimate Fighter has helped create so many stars from Rashad Evans, Koscheck, Keith, Keith Jardine, Chris Lieben. You know, I, I can go down a list of guys um, – even Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson was fighting for a long time, but the U, but the Ultimate Fighter helped Roy Nelson become a household name. Brendan Schaub as well. A lot of great fighters came out of the Ultimate Fighter shows, and they've actually helped fill out the roster for the UFC. You know, Kenny Florian, Joe Daddy Stevenson. I list goes on. I honestly think that if they did something like that for women's mixed martial arts, that it would help bolster the, bolster the ranks a bit. Help add some new faces into the mix and, and maybe start growing into a, a viable money maker for the UFC. Of course, Dana White sits there, blah, 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 women's MMA, I'm not a fan, yada, yada. I've seen some fantastic women's fights. Fantastic. Cyborg Santos, uh, Gina Carano, for, for, for argument's sake, Tara LaRosa, Misha Tate, all great uh, female fighters that if if they were given a chance to be spotlighted on a larger stage, I really feel that they will help the, the the sport move forward. Now, of course, one of the big gripes has always been that there are not enough female fighters, and that's one of the reasons why that uh, female fights are so sporadic. But again, that's where the UFC marketing machine can come in with regards to you know looking for new talent and, and expanding and looking into new markets. I mean, Bellator's done it to an extent, and Strikeforce has as well, but there needs to be something more unified, just something that can that can go out there and find some of these female fighters that nobody knows about. I've seen from, from MMA Gospel to other people on Twitter to fellow broadcasters mention a, a huge amount of female fighters that I have never heard of. It's... It's ridiculous. I've, I've never heard of some of them. I've got to go and, and YouTube and, and look here and look there to, to learn about some, some of these very talented women that, that nobody's seeing that, that can get really great fights out there. But I don't know. It's, 
it's a really sad state of affairs. I think that um, I really hope that the UFC gives it a shot, even if it's for Strike Force, for for the time being, just to see how it goes. It's it's a sad state of affairs. I I can't even I can't even sit here and and hope and pray that shit gets changed. But we'll see what happens in two years when the Showtime agreement is up. Um, I am guessing, I'm looking at my clock, it's 11.35, either Lane is late or he fell asleep. So, with that said, I'm going to take the opportunity and try and take care of some wrestling, um, just because there are a couple of things to talk about. So, we'll start off first with WrestleMania. Look at the cards, the cards, from my generation, I'll take the Alright, let's talk about WrestleMania, shall we? Of course, last week, the, the the panel had much to say with regards to how this was going to turn out. I will say that I was not 100% amped for WrestleMania. Oops, I see that uh, Mist has an issue with the audio. Let me know what the hell it is, please, folks, if it's too loud or not. Because if I'm leaving people deaf, I apologize. All right, as I was saying, WrestleMania was, I, I don't want to say it was subpar, because there were some bright spots, but I feel that the pacing wasn't what it should have been, and it almost felt like an extended episode of Raw. I know a lot of people have agreed with me. Some have said, oh, man, it was fucking awesome. But look, based on what I've been reading from various websites and, and just hearing it across the web, there was a lot of confusion in regards to how the matches were going to be set up and just the overall feel for WrestleMania. It seemed very disjointed. A lot of people said that. Like I said, there were high points and low points. Uh, Sheamus and Daniel Bryan got bumped to the pre-show, which was made a lumberjack match, which was turned into a battle royal, which the great Kali won. The Rock, of course, welcomes everybody to WrestleMania, talks some shit about John Cena, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my first gripe. The opening match was Edge with Christian against Alberto Del Rio and Brodus Clay for the world title. Not a way to do it. Not a way to do it at all. <sighs> I don't know. I, I honestly think that opening up with that match off the bat was bullshit. You could have opened up with Mysterio and Rhodes first, or even that bullshit-ass eight-man tag match, and left the, the title matches to go probably right before Undertaker and Triple H, and then have Cena and Miz close things out. But no, you open it up. That's your opener? The match was... It was decent. There weren't really any super crazy spots. It was just a very formulaic match, which actually surprised me with the outcome because Edge ended up retaining. Del Rio, of course, everybody thought was the shoe-in to win the belt, 
but I think that they're going to let Del Rio chase a little bit more before putting the strap on him. Also, with regards to a lot of rumors are saying that Edge is going to be retiring soon. They probably want to give him a good, solid title run. And with, now with the involvement of Christian, I'm sure we'll get a triple threat match, which I'm sure we'll find out about on SmackDown. But I don't want to spoil it for anybody, so just watch SmackDown and see how things unfold. Second match of the night was Rey Mysterio and Cody Rhodes. I know that Slick is on the line. I just want to go over this a little bit. Rey Mysterio and Cody Rhodes, Rey Mysterio came out dressed as Captain America, which I did call last week. Um, a, 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 actually, a very solid match. And it, it worked in, in the favor of making Cody Rhodes look really good. I think that the character development for Cody Rhodes was exceptionally well done. His match with Mysterio was really good. And um, using Rey Mysterio's knee brace against him was almost like a little bit of, of divine justice, only because he took the knee brace, which injured him originally, and used it to secure a victory on Rey Mysterio. So, again... Very, very interesting to see where they're going with that. What happens with Cody Rhodes after this feud is my next question. So I really am glad to see him win. I think that him winning was the right thing to do, which I'm shocked only because Rey Mysterio is such a fan favorite and to have him lose at WrestleMania was huge. But definitely a, a solid match. I was impressed. I was very impressed. I see that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him on before we go into the next few matches. Where the hell's my switchboard, which is frozen? Ah, here we go. Slick, my friend, what's going on? What's up, man? What do you got for us? Yeah, this was uh, really a shocker because, I mean, I've watched a good handful of WrestleManias and I haven't been watching wrestling for a while now. I mean, you guys with the panel really got me into it this week. Um, that opening match, that I, I we were talking about it. There was a chat going on while I was watching, and we were like, "Who the hell booked these matches?" Yep, I mean, there was a lot the, of issues was, with that. This is the first WrestleMania that I've seen since the merger, but I was like. There's never been a WrestleMania that opened with any kind of title match. Yeah, I don't understand why they went with that opener. I was I was very I was very bummed about it only because it's almost like and you know for 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 those of you that follow wrestling, it's almost like curtain jerker status where it's like, yeah, you know, you're going to open this up. It, it, almost like a slap in the face considering how much of a of a of a key player Edge has been and how many WrestleMania moments he's added. In addition to that, you know, Del Rio's first first WrestleMania a curtain jerker? Why? Why would you do that? You're so you know, if anything, it's like you open it up like I said with the eight man tag. You know, that way you could kind of start things off almost with a slow burn so you can let people get hyped. Don't open it up with the fucking uh, title match, because then people are just going to be worn out throughout the night, which leads me to something I'll discuss later on. But overall, I know that you were you spoke very, very, very negatively over the card. Tell me, let's start off. What didn't you like? Well, kind of got to go back and forth with this because starting with the the blackout match, everybody that that was you know 
I know a lot of people were looking forward to that match, and they were really pissed that it wasn't aired. So then you go fast forward to Raw, and they give them the, the shot at doing the match again with just just them. And that match was bullshit. Yep. Like, you could have really made something out of that match, and it was like, Sheamus retains his title. Okay. And it was like nothing. Yeah, it almost seemed it almost seemed like they didn't feel and it and it's a shame they made it they made it, it look like Sheamus and, and Daniel Bryan couldn't have a solid match, which is bullshit because you look at a guy like like Danielson, uh, you know, or Dan, or Daniel Bryan as he's known in WWE. The, the guy's been a solid performer. That guy can re- can wrestle an armless man in a match and make him look good. Period. That that that's that's how that's the level of talent that guy has. Sheamus as well. Sheamus has come along, and he's become a solid performer. Why they couldn't give those guys a decent ten minute match, even if it was the fucking opener, is beyond me. And then you switch it to a lumberjack match, and then you switch it to a battle royal, which the great Kali wins. Get this after eliminating Sheamus. How the fuck exactly. is that? That was the other thing what? you mentioned, that make it, even make it a 10-minute match. I was like, you go to the, the Big Show Kane match versus the core. It was like, that match lasted like two minutes. Yep. You have an eight-man tag at WrestleMania, and it lasted two minutes. Yes, the indeed. The fucking Snooki match was longer than that. That it was. What else? What What was another? What was another dud? Um, well, of course, you have the Snooki match. <laughs> but, I mean, everybody says, you know, it's WrestleMania. you got to have celebrities. I wouldn't really call Snooki a celebrity, but the one bright point about that, I was actually, you know, it was like the return of Trish Stratus after, like, five years. And she really hadn't lost a step. She was pretty damn good. That is true. She was she was solid in her match. I will be the first to say that the Snooki match wasn't wasn't terrible. It wasn't a complete fucking clusterfuck, but that crowd was fucking dead. And I'll tell you why. Because they put that match after Triple H and The Undertaker, which was fucking bananas. How how does that happen? Honestly, if you're going to put a match after the, you know, Triple H and The Undertaker, worst comes the words, you should have put the freaking Edge and Del Rio match there. There you go. See, now, now you're looking at it from, 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 from that perspective. I mean, the, the, the funny thing to me is that, you know, Punk and, and Orton was a bright spot. I was, I was not shocked that they gave it to Orton because, you know, it's Orton. I was very, 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 very disappointed that after all the shit they added to the Lawler and Michael Cole match to try and make some sort of interest, it was beyond horseshit. Beyond horseshit. There was there was zero there was zero crowd involvement that showed that they gave a shit. None. The crowd was completely bullshit. Michael Cole is, is an ass. And it was all, you know, the big payoff was Stone Cold giving everybody stunners. It's like, that that's it? 
like all that shit for that, all that buildup for that. Uh, it was it was, that was foolish. That should have fucking that could have even been the opening match. I think what pissed me off even more than that. I mean, I mean, granted, I like Jerry Lawler, but fuck that match basically. And it's like, why is the Royal General Manager calling in or tweeting in or whatever on WrestleMania? I mean, thinking about should you have any pull at WrestleMania? Well, you know what was funny? I was really thinking that The Rock was going to reveal himself as the Raw General Manager because, you know, a lot of things kind of pushed in that direction, which which would have been kind of cool but kind of not. But, it, again, storyline continuity and the shitter because the Raw GM is there. He does this shit for this match. Then, you know, we fast forward to the main event, which, you know, whatever. We fast forward to the main event. It ends up being a draw. And The Rock takes it upon himself to restart the match. Which, it's like, you're not the GM. How much pull do you... You know, like, there's, there was a lot of gray in regards to that particular storyline in terms of moving that shit forward. Yeah, the crowd didn't really seem to care about that match that much either. Exactly. You know, the, the Triple H match people gave a shit about. The Undertaker, you know, the Undertaker Triple H match was the big sell, and The Rock whooping somebody's ass. The only thing that I'm surprised about the Triple H Undertaker match is how The Undertaker won. They they really used a lot of psychology to make The Undertaker look human, you know, like not this unbeatable phenom, you know, getting stretchered out, which I, I kind of appreciated that they added that, but again, they're... When, when The Undertaker gets tested to that sort of a limit, you almost know that they're going to do a second match because you're going to hear, oh, I could have had, you know, I could have got you. Or you won, you know, by, by, by an inch, I beat you within an inch of your life. You know, there's always going to be that, that little bit of a storyline that's already ingrained of the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Especially from Triple H. Exactly. But overall, like I said, it was very passable. You know, I wouldn't have paid 60 bucks for it. I mean, it had a lot of great moments. Uh, some of the entrances, like Triple H's entrance with uh, Metallica was really well done. I was surprised they didn't go all out for a cool Undertaker entrance, which is the norm at WrestleMania. Shocked. You know, the, the, the John Cena entrance was cool. Um, the Miz's entrance, for for what it's worth. But overall, just... Very, I'd like to say, just very lackluster mania overall. And that's that's sad, too, because honestly, for me, the best entrance was Stone Cold, and he wasn't even a wrestler. Yeah, well, that's what happens, you know. The priorities are in the wrong places for certain things. Actually, during that match with, um, no, during the Undertaker and Triple H match, was chatting with Mist. <laughs> we were joking about the Spanish announcer table. She was about, somebody was about to say, would this be the first time the Spanish announcer table makes it to WrestleMania, like right at that second that shit got broken? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, that's going to happen. And, you know, Michael Cole's fucking fish tank got broken, too. <laughs> of course, he was back in the next damn night. Oh, yeah, of course. But, you know, that's something uh, we'll talk about. That's something I'll talk about when, when I get into the raw side of things. Anything else to add, my friend? 
Nah, I'm going to pass it off the mist. Yeah, I see she's holding. I'll bring her on. All right, buddy. Later. Mm-hmm. Later. Mist. <laughs> Hi, Rich. How are you? Hello. That, that was awful. I'm sorry. That WrestleMania was really, really awful. Like, I go to indie shows, and I have to be honest, even the most basic, menial, put-together-in-a-high-school-basement indie show knows you don't put your title matches at the beginning of the card. I don't care if you have the two biggest jobbers on your card going after. You don't put title matches. First of all, you don't make one title match a dark match, okay? Nope. You don't with some of your best talent. Because really and truly, Sheamus has a strong following. Um, I'm not a big fan, but he does have presence in the ring. He can carry a match. And come on, Daniel Bryan, you, you would put him at a dark match. Like so many fans were angry behind that. And he makes yep. everybody look good. So why would you have him be the only match off the card and we all got to wait for the DVD now to see it? And then you have that match, that, like, eight-man garbage match that I swear to God I blinked and it was over. I was like, wait a minute, who Because <laughs> that's how bad it was. Like, I didn't see anything. Just the whole booking. And I'm starting to wonder because I was getting tweets today from um, fans, blogs, whatever. I guess. WWE is trying to get away from the wrestling roots. I, I don't know where they're going because they haven't been clear about it, but I got tweets today about they don't want the wrestling part of their name in the WWE. Like, they just want to be referred to as WWE. So, yep. like, I don't that understand. Is, huh? That is true. and I, That is true, and I'm actually glad you brought that up. The um, They, they want to go into a mission statement where they want to focus more on being an entertainment company. They, um, they actually are working on a new on a new talent initiative, which is supposed to be spearheaded by Triple H, which is why, you know, Sin Cara is in WWE now, because that's a talent that Triple H found, so you know he's probably fucking getting the stroke job for. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the overall presentation is that they want to expand into other entertainment venues. They, you know, they're going to start their network probably within the next year, the WWE Network, and go into original programming, which is fine. But the core WWE product will be the wrestling. And if you're not showing it off, what the fuck are you going to do? I don't even have a problem with that. Now, I could understand that if, like, they wanted to get away or they thought that wasn't the tone anymore of the way fandom goes. They want to be more entertainment-based. But my problem is if you're going to do that, then your production end of your, your, your product should be, like, top-notch. Let me give you an example. You know that entrance you just commented on that was really great with Triple H? The two bands that they used for his entrance, one of them actually had a song, Fuck Metallica. And, like, I didn't even remember that until someone on my Twitter mentioned it. And he's like, "What kind? why would you use those two songs together? So there's, like, (laughs) things like that. (laughs) Like... When you're do when you have people, you have researchers, you have production heads, you are supposed to have people that are looking this stuff up. Why would you take two bands where one band had a song "Fuck Metallica" and you put that in front? Of, like, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> so it's like that stuff like that. It's little things like that. Another example: the Snooky match. Now you have I I understand that the divas they work 
basically all year, I think it's like maybe a month they get a vacation, and the rest of the time they're working. So I can understand, like, they're tired, and, you know, you can't always pull that brilliant match out. But when you have someone who basically, for all intents and purposes, has never been a wrestler, I mean, she's been a gymnast, but still she's not a wrestler, pull off moves, like two moves that your own wrestling divas or whatever botch on a, I would say, 50% of the time, <laughs> like, that's that's terrible. And then you leave all your divas off, so, like, you're just slapping them in the face. Like, you're telling people subliminally almost they're nothing. And I can yep. understand, like, there are reports now where Melina is really upset and she thought Trish was taking her place and blah, 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 or whatever. Even if it, whether it's true or not, I can, if she is upset, I can understand where it's coming from. Like, you don't have a match where you're leaving off. Like, they leave off large portions of their roster, entertaining people, people like, uh, what is it, uh, Zach Ryder? He has a whole yep. show that's popular. Like, all that entertainment that they're talking about, that they want to bring in, why didn't you, when, oh, when that skit you were wasting time having him stand up there and sing Friday, a song that, let's just be honest, we all hate, okay? Yeah, we you all stand hate him up there. <laughs> you stand him up there and have him sing that, as opposed to letting him do something, hand him a microphone, let him go backstage and mess with some of the wrestlers before they're due to come out. Something like that if you want to quote-unquote entertain people. But they're not doing any of it right. They're not booking correctly to be a wrestling company anymore, and they're not showing the production, I would say, details necessary to be taken seriously as even an entertainment company. So I don't know what the hell they're doing. Well, That's just what I felt. No, well, you know, and, and, and you make a lot of valid points, but there's a couple of things I just, I just want to put out there. The, every year we know there's some sort of a celebrity tie-in at WrestleMania, whether it's Pete Rose getting his ass whooped or, or you know, anybody in particular, there's always some celebrity involvement that goes without saying. The big, the big issue to me is that people were saying, you know, they pay royalty for all this music they use, they're paying Snooki all this money, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, Melina feeling left out, and, and that's fine. I can understand that, but you also have to look at it from the from the standpoint of other than Melina, Beth Phoenix, Natalia to a degree, and maybe, maybe you know, Gail Kim of course, and, and even Alicia Fox. What are you gonna do with them? That's gonna make them. That's good. You know, what are you gonna do? A battle royal that's gonna become a fucking joke? You know what I mean? Like, like in some respects. I, don't, I, I am bummed that they didn't get the opportunity, but what good is the opportunity if, they, if it's going to be a fucking throwaway match or a match where everybody's going to get up and take a shit? You're basically working for nothing. It's going to be a joke. So for that, leave my ass home. But You know what I mean? Like, like why am I going to go and bust my ass for bullshit, too? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> my response to that would be, though, with you is, did Dolph and Jomo do anything? Okay, like more than a blink's worth of anything in that ring. Yeah, but they you got to pay took it. The bo- huh? They got to pay it for you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You could have took the both of them out, and that's two more divas you could have put in the match. Okay, I'm not saying make it a, a lumberjill thing where everybody's standing around or those god-awful all-in matches where every diva on the freaking roster is just cat fighting for no reason. 
But the same way they put those two guys in that did a blink's worth of nothing, you could have put two divas in. You had your title-holding diva backstage like a hostess. I mean, like, what does that say about your faith in her? But then when she doesn't get over, the reports will come out when you take the belt off of her that, oh, she got no cloud response. You're not giving – people will only do what you – you got to lead them to the water to get them to drink it, okay? The same way we see Cena, like, every time Raw comes – even when he's not on Raw, he's via satellite on Raw. We're whispering about him. He could be doing a movie and going to be gone three months, and everybody will still be talking about him on Raw so you don't forget him. They don't do that equally. Now, I'm not saying promote every wrestler to main event status, but they don't even have a strong mid-card. Like, they only have main event, and that's it. And then everybody else is like, you know, F you. What is that? Like, that's, and then they wor- wonder why no one is interested. <laughs> that's why. Well, you don't you give know, us anyone that, to root for. That is true. They don't, they don't allow the establishment of stars, and they do rush them out. And, and that's, that, you know, that's why I was surprised that, you know, they let Cody get a pin, and they, they, they went with keeping the belt on edge. Like, I can see certain things, and there were, there were certain things that I didn't like, but, with, with regard but to you know the, why they got we, Cody. They, you know why they let Cody get the pen. Sin Cara is there now, so yeah. You Rey know, Mysterio's an afterthought. It's like Rey Mysterio. It, yes, now. exactly. It's like, so like fuck like, you, even though you didn't give us both your knees, like your collarbone, everything. We don't care that, about you anymore. We got the new thing. Yeah, we got the new hotness. But the the problem is that in Cody's case. It, it, it was uh, something that will help him get over with the audience. But again, if the guy wins and you don't do nothing with him, then it's a waste of fucking time. It's the same thing, like I'm saying with the with the with the divas. You do a divas match, and you do it. People are like, "Oh yeah, they fought. It was good." Do, do you know anything about it Monday? No. Mm-hmm. They same don't thing carry with the tag teams. It's like how every pay-per-view, as as long as I've watched wrestling, I've always seen it like this. You got every pay-per-view. All your belts get defended, and then you got a couple of feuds that need to be finished. Then you move on to the next thing with the following week with Raw and SmackDown. Easy peasy. Your tag team belt should have been defended. Your IC belt. Your U.S. belt. I don't give a fuck whether it was in a ladder match, a pole match, a fucking horn swoggle in a birdcage match. That's how you do shit. Yeah. But, but, you know, there's a formula. formula. Right. There's no more formula. Formula goes out the fucking window. But then they wonder why the fans are like, we don't want to watch this anymore. Because people get used to the formula. Now, we're not saying you have to do it exactly the same all the time. You can make it as silly as you want. But just to the formula like you don't have title matches as a dark match and this is the what second or third year they've made like a title which should have been a big title match or a big deal a dark yep. match like what, what are you <laughs> like, what are you doing you could have put the title you could have put Daniel Bryan and Sheamus right where you put that eight man garbage and that could have been the dark match because it, it was like no time at all no one even had a chance to root, and they just like. I feel kind of bad because, correct me if I'm like I'm trying to remember here. Weren't the people with the belts losing? Like what? Yep. <laughs> so then you devalued your stable that you were trying to build up. Like it's like little production things like that that make me go like, 
what? Why would you, you know, what are you doing? Who's writing this? So I just, I thought it was terrible just for those reasons. So that was just me. No, and it's fine. And I think all my predictions, my predictions were wrong too. <laughs> they were, they were, uh, there were, uh, I don't even, you know what it was? I, I saw the predictions and I, and I was going to look through them the next day, but I was just so disheartened. <laughs> I was like, yo, what the fuck? You know, just because it's like, yo, had I paid sixty dollars for this shit, been mad. I would have been. I need my money back. Hey, oh, I would have, I would have driven up to Connecticut. I would have gone to WWE headquarters, and I would have sat there with a with a steak and some rice and beans and a and a tropical fantasy, and I would have said, yo, I want my fucking money. I want sixty dollars. Period. <laughs> I think a lot of people felt like that, and and they really ruined the ride. Like they even ruined the things that had everyone watching in the first place. Because let's be honest, we were not there to watch things like Alberto Del Rio. We weren't there to see like the the eight man. I'm sorry, I just have to say the collector frog. Like nobody was there to see that. We were there to see Stone Cold come in and hand out stunners that were. That wasn't even good because it took them so long to get to that point. Because, like you said, mm-hmm. that scene with Cole. I even like Cole, like, as a heel and doing crazy stuff. But that was too long of a match for two guys that don't even wrestle. Like, yep. it just it just went on and on and on and on. And then you had The Rock and Cena at the end. And you do this as a build-up to next year's Miami. You couldn't have done that on Raw. Y'all couldn't have had some kind of killer match at WrestleMania Think it'd be done, and then have him come back a few, you know, a few months right before your next WrestleMania, and then you build up for that. Like, don't set us up for next year because there's no guarantee he's even going to do this next year. So, like, what was that? I, I yep. was uh, terrible. It was really just terrible. But that's my two cents. So I'm going to go now because I just had to comment on that. It was just that bad. Hey, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate you calling in and sharing your thoughts. All right, take care. All right, bye. That was missed. You can keep an eye out for Miss Soapbox on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, just want to run through it since everybody kind of pulled out the uh, the the rag, so to speak, on all the matches. Um, I will say Triple H and The Undertaker, great entrances, great psychology, solid match from start to finish. Again, anyone who thought The Undertaker was going was gonna to lose, you are high off your ass. Um, the Lay Cool mixed tag match was all right. Like I said, I was very impressed with Snooki's athleticism. Um, of course, everybody was expecting, like she said, that she would continue on as a full-time WWE diva. Not happening, because it's a lot easier to do Jersey Shore spinoffs and get paid a fuckload of money than be on the road 300 days a year. Of course, the no-brainer at the end of all this was the Miz and John Cena match, which, like we said was it almost felt very dry like there wasn't it wasn't as amped as you would have thought it was going it was supposed to be the match ended up going uh to a double count out and rule the draw the rock comes out restarts the match no dq and what did you think was going to happen cena eats a rock bottom pit, the miz pins him at wrestlemania which was a shocker to anybody but me and we move on to monday night raw now, Monday Night Raw, 
I'm just going to go through this because most of this is like WrestleMania 2.0. Uh, we get more shit with um, we get more shit with Lawler and Swagger. We get extensions of Rhodes and Punk and Mysterio and 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 uh, what's his face, Randy Orton, which was all right. It was a passable match. I enjoyed it. Del Rio and Bourne was bullshit once again. They buried Bourne, made him look like shit. And um, I am noticing that I believe Lane is here. Let's see. Let's let's check the switchboard to make sure. I think Slick is messaging me. All right. Bloodstain Lane. What's going on, bro? How you feeling? What's going on, my dude? What's the good word? Ah, same shit, man. Fucking half dead right now. But I'm oh, here. Well, you know what? You're upset. Oh yeah, of course. I um, I know we had a little miscommunication. I was re I read the Twitter. I'm like, how the fuck I'm gonna call him if I don't got his number? I know. I fuck, bro. I'm, I'm a fuck up. What can I say? It happens, man. But um, <laughs> for those for those of you that don't know, Bloodstain Lane is on uh, is a YouTube video blogger, uh, well known in the MMA community for his caustic opinion on the sport of mixed martial arts, uh, his particular beefs with Dana White and certain other organizations and fighters. In addition to that, you can watch his videos on YouTube.com slash Team Takeover. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first off, I, you know, the question that, I, that I've been wanting to ask you is, what got you started in the, in, the, in the video blogging game in regards to mixed martial arts? I know you also follow boxing and kickboxing. What, what was the linchpin that got you started with that? Well, at first we just started doing it just because we love the sport. You know, we just did it for fun. You know, we we just did it for kicks just to see, you know, just to get our opinion out there. You know, uh, we started doing it like in 2008. Uh, you know, we had a couple of videos out, but, you know, it was me and a couple of other dudes, but uh, that didn't work out. So basically what really got me back into it was uh, after Fedor lost to Fabricio over Doom, and we knew after that loss that there was going to be, forget about it, it was going to be fucking fireworks on the internet and shit like that about Fado. So we just figured we did a video, you know, to get out, you know, to get out of our uh, voices heard about that whole matter. You know what I'm saying? And it's just really, after that, it kind of just spun out of control. We really just did it for the love of the sport, though. I mean, I never expected it to uh, get to the point where it's at right now, where I'm, you know, doing radio shows as, as guests and magazines and all kinds of other shit, but basically just for the love of the sport, you know? Well, yeah, I heard you had done Hot 97 Street Soldiers, man. That's that's a pretty big fucking deal for a guy that, you know, does a does a regular job and does this for fun, you know, and i, I got to congratulate you on that. Um, in terms of getting MMA legalized here in New York, the, the big gripe has always been the fucking politicians and the fact that, you know, that you know they're looking for a payday from, from mixed martial arts and Dana White is going to have to toss them some money. Do you think that once it does get endorsed here in New York State, we're going to be seeing smaller shows and more more kickboxing events and things like that? Do you do you see that in the future? Like, is UFC going to kick the door down? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think so. Just you know, just a matter of time. You know what I'm saying? You got uh these fucking bozo politicians, these old fucks that you know that just need to go away. That you know need to just give up, you know, and, and die already because they're the only ones holding this back. And eventually MMA is going to find its way over here. You know what I'm saying? It's very popular sport globally. 
Uh, you know, you just got a couple people holding it back, like Senator Bob Riley, who's just a real piece of shit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, once that comes, you're going to start seeing smaller shows. You're going to start seeing more gyms opening up, guaranteed. You know, I'm talking about, like, you know, real, real high-level gyms. You know, I know you got Hendo's out in Manhattan. But uh, once once, once uh, it gets legalized here, like I said, UFC is going to have, you know, Madison Square Garden should sell out. and Lots of other smaller shows should be here. Just a matter of time. Well, I know one of your big gripes was, you know, the way the UFC conducts business. Your 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 marquee term is is Zufa Zombie, which is always amusing to see. And I know you've gone, you've had quite a couple of exchanges with Dana White. Particularly, one memorable exchange was one Fedor lost recently. And I I know you don't like the dude. And what what I'm breaking it down? What's the thing you dislike? Most is it just the way he promotes the, promotes himself, or just the fact that he doesn't see any other organizations out there with talented fighters? I, as far as Dana White goes, I don't really hate the guy because I really don't know the guy from what other than what I what I see on him on television and what from I hear you know what I hear from him you know. Uh, he could be the nicest guy in the world for 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 all I know. I mean, I, I actually spoke to professional fighters that from UFC that I'm not going to name by name that actually told me that they hate Dana White and gave me reasons why. The reason why I don't like the dude is because, you know, he pretty much just shits on fighters that weren't in his org, you know, before the strike force buyout, you know. He he shits on, you know, legends of the sport, guys that are, are fucking pioneers and ambassadors of the sport, just because they weren't part of his organization. And as sad as it is, he is the figurehead of MMA, you know, I mean, look at the dude's Twitter feed. Yeah, Twitter feed. He has almost uh, 1.5 million followers. There's not a fighter in MMA that's even close to, to the amount of followers. I think GSP only has 100,000 followers. So Dana White is the figurehead for MMA. So when this fucking bozo speaks, people are going to, you know, they're going to listen to him. You know what I'm saying? He pretty much is, you know, the guy, like I said, he's the figurehead. So when you have this guy telling people on Twitter or this and that, that Fedor sucks, that Fedor never fought anybody. Most of the people who watch MMA, casual fans, they're going to believe yep. what this fucking idiot has to say. And I actually witnessed it firsthand when I went to the UFC Expo in Boston. People, when talking about Fedor, like, were booing his name. And whenever his name came up, and it was just sad to see. It's like, why are people booing this guy's name for? You know what I'm saying? Like, because Dana White told him to. You know, Dana White don't like him. So it's just really sad that... You know, he doesn't, you know, he's not for the sport of MMA. He's just for his brand and for people under his banner. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I agree. I agree, and I think that his, his acknowledgement of the competition, I think that part of his his delivery for the sport is to create the man as a human soundbite. And one thing that, you know, I I, I admire Dana, Dana White's business acumen. You know, the, the guy's a hungry motherfucker. He has no problem. <clears throat> going out there, gobbling up smaller promotions and, and boosting the ranks of the UFC. I do take issue, like you said, when he shits on guys like Fedor, even even Alistair Overeem. You know, Alistair Overeem goes out there and serves guys, serves guys' knees to the face, and he's like, oh, yeah, Alistair Overeem's not a top-ten guy. It's like, how the fuck do you say that? Well, he's saying that because he wasn't part of his organization. So anybody that wasn't part of his organization is a piece of shit, not worthy of, of being talked about. And like I said, when, when this guy speaks, people listen. Because like I said, it, it, he's pretty much the figurehead of MMA, which is really sad, you know. And, uh, you know, 
it's, I mean, it's just people need to open their eyes and, and wake up to, 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 to what this guy has to say. Not to mention, you know, the the, the shutdown of sponsors, of, of, of certain sponsors can't sp uh, sp uh, sponsor fighters, you know, pretty much taking uh, uh, money out of the fighters' pockets. You know, it's just it's just wrong, you know what I'm saying? And uh, like I said, the guy, has he done a lot for the American MMA scene? Absolutely. I ain't taking that away from the fucking guy. The guy's done a lot. But he's also hurting the sport at the same time, you know. So it's it's it's, it's give or take with him, you know. I, like I said, I know he don't like me. I've, I've seen text messages that he wrote to the people that I know that he knows. Uh, when I was in Jersey for UFC 128, you know, people in you know with fighters from that business, they don't like me. Uh, but what, what what can you do, you know? Somebody somebody got to speak up against the guy. Well, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. You know, we, in terms of not pulling punches, like I said, I read I read 10 pages of Sherdog dedicated to people defending you and shitting on you at the same time. And it, and it, and it was very, it was very amusing for me just because it just shows that a guy that has a video camera and a voice can be a polarizing figure for the sport. Not only that, but you, you're getting out there and talking to these fighters and, and, and bringing shit up, you know, and being being more personable. It's not it's not all about journalism. It's just about connecting with the fighters as a person and you do a good job of that. And that's not even me, you know, blowing smoke up your ass cuz you're here, man. I've always said that you connect good with them, you know, Marlos Coonan, you had fucking dinner with Golden Glory, uh Alistair Overeem, who, you know, and thought you were thought you were talking shit about him. He came, he, he acknowledged you fucking drunk ass Mauro Ronaldo. <laughs> you know like that's you, man. <laughs> That's big, and, and I gotta commend you for that. Yeah, I mean, I could go on for days. All the fight, the, the fighters out there that show me love, man. It's, it's insane. I mean, it, and, and I don't know why these fucking people hate me so much. Maybe it's because of the way I deliver deliver my message. You know, they don't like it, or they're just fucking downright jealous. And, the, and and to be honest with you, I really like the hate more than I like the support I get, because it just it just it, I, I really just get off on people that fucking hate me because it makes them sick to their stomach. You know, and it's just the beginning. Like, the fucking next month or two, the the the, the stories I'm going to have and the opportunities that, I'm, that are coming at me right now is going to make these people fucking sick. It's even going to make people like the anime journalists sick. I'm, I just got an offer for something that I'm not going to even... I can't say it right now, but it's it's going to be fine. fucking Don't huge. Don't worry about it. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And, and, and these journalists who've been in the game for fucking eight, ten years, they're going to be sick to their stomach. You know, a kid who's just fucking from from Queens who's just fucking doing YouTube videos is getting these kinds of offers. So, you know, everybody on Sure Dog or the UG or like all these people that, that that fucking you know hate on me, please keep doing it. You know, I I really enjoy it. There's nothing they can say or or or, or type that's gonna bother me. Like I said, I, I love it. I love making people sick. So, dude, ten ten pages, a ten page forum post. Um, Dev motivated me to make sure that that you are awake to get on this fucking show. Cause I'm no, like, it's, on, it's, on, it's on 16 pages now, bro. It's on 16. Oh my god! And then, and let me tell you something. And let me tell you something, Rich. This is this is at least once a week on Sure Dog, or at least once a week on the UG. But the thing is, with Sure Dog, is any I'm, I'm I am permanently banned from Sure Dog. Like I have a lifetime ban from there. I'm not. I'm, <laughs> my, I'm serious. My that thread. I'm surprised it's even still around because usually when my name is mentioned, it gets deleted right away. Nobody's allowed to talk about me, or they get banned. So. It, it sure it all case me, but, you know, like, there's nothing they can do. You know what's great about this whole thing is there's nothing that nobody can do. 
There's nothing that Dana White can do. There's not because I don't get paid from this fucking industry. Nope. I got my real job. I, I make good money, so I can say what I want and do what I want. Nobody can fucking say a thing, you know. I can say I can say, <laughs> you know, I can say whatever I want about any journalist or any website or anybody because I don't have to pay. I don't, there's no repercussions to me. They can blacklist me from every fucking thing. They can blacklist when I was in fucking UFC 128. I was when I was fighting with Melky Kawa and his fucking whole uh, whole crew in the hotel. The fucking director of the UFC was threatening to ban me from every UFC event. I said, "Bro, go ahead. I don't give a fuck. You think I care? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's nothing that the, anything that these fucking idiots could do to me. Nothing. No. You know, I, like I said, what am I worried about losing my job? No, my job has nothing to do with MMA. So. You know, that's that's just the whole and 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 the fact that I can say what I want and have such a following and not feel any repercussions, it, it makes them sick to their stomach, and I love it. That that you know, the, the best part of hearing that is exactly that. I mean, we do this. We have no FCC regulations. We have nobody to answer to. We do this in just the same in our, in our spare time, and that that's the crazy thing. But the the funny thing is, how are you? A you know, I, I know you got a real job. I'm not gonna ask you what you do, but how do you? How do you balance that out, man? Where where does you know Bloodstain Lane end and the real you begin? Well, I'm not gonna lie to you, bro. It, it just does get kind of tiresome, and it's, it's, it's been times. Where, yeah, it really does, bro. And there's times like I don't even want to do this shit no more because it's like, all right, I'm not gonna lie. I have I have made a couple dollars off it, like on the side, on the low. I've made a couple dollars, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I got my real life and. You know, between my job and other shit that I have in my personal life, it's kind of hard to balance out. You know, especially like I'm telling you, bro, it's like I'm I'm getting uh, it's like all day long. I'm on the on the phone with you know people who you know fans. I, I don't want to say I have fans because I'm I don't I don't I don't think that highly of myself. You know, but people that support me and uh, you know managers and all kinds of other shit going on. You know, going on it kind of consumes me. You know what I'm saying? Like so sometimes I think of, I think about quitting and. Whatever, but I don't know. It's it's kind of hard because it's like addictive, you know. I love this. I love the sport, so I always come back to it, you know. That's why sometimes you see me on Twitter, you see me on Twitter bugging out sometimes because I'm just so fucking aggravated with the whole thing. I just start saying stupid shit and crazy shit and fighting with people for no reason, you know. Oh, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen some good ones, and the funny thing, the funny thing is, as I watch it unfold, it 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 reminds me of why. I do what I do, and and you're not you're not always gonna be a, a a special snowflake that everybody fucking like. Not everybody likes every 31 flavors in Basket Robbins. You know, you you gotta be fucking unique. And so sometimes you go out there and you ruffle a few feathers. Fuck it, they're not paying you. They're not signing your checks. But what what I did, you know, what one thing I did want to applaud you for is that you are bringing attention to other guys that people don't know about. You know, when you started talking about K1, I started trying to watch HDNet more and watching some K1 stuff, and, you know, I saw a K1 where the Reem won the belt, and, you know, watch a couple of Badahari fights, and I, and I see why you're such a fan of kickboxing, because there's not that that delay in the action, you know, like, I respect the ground game, and I know that there's a sweet science to it, but standing and trading for, for you know, 15 minutes makes for some exciting fights. Oh, absolutely, and, like, that's, that's another reason, like, people think I'm all a gimmick, this and that, that... You know, sometimes, if you know, if you've been watching my videos, I kind of have, like, that New York... At first, I kind of had, like, that New York mafioso, 
um, thing going. Then I kind of switched to like this hip hopish type of thing. And I'm just doing it on purpose to piss people off, and it's fucking working. But at the same time, it's fucking you know, it bonded, you know, if you're just a boring dude in front of a camera, you know, people are not gonna listen. You gotta ham it up a little bit, you know. Of course. But as, you know, and I use that, I use that to get the views to let people know about all these great fighters out there. You know what I'm saying? And it's working. Like I said, I get, yeah, at, at, very, at very least, I get 5,000 views. And I go up, I, my highest video gets up to 35,000 views. So if I could get at least 5,000 people to fucking look up Gokhan Saki or look up Bonna Harry or, you know, like I said, my Bonna Harry video is up to 13,000 views. You know what I'm saying? So that, my, you know, I want people to recognize this other great sport, which which kickboxing is, because for the most part, let's be real, when, when people watch MMA, and it's starting to improve now, it is starting to improve, but usually when it hits the ground, it's on the ground for a long time, you still have those people who kind of boo, you know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, which is sad because the ground game is a beautiful thing, but some people like just like the stand-up fight. So if you like the stand-up fight, then watch fucking kickboxing. Exactly. It's just non-stop action, and it's the best in the world. And it's like sad that a lot of people, like kickboxing, not that big in the states, which, which you know, I think has a lot to do because there's not that many American kickboxers. But still, the fights transcend themselves. You know what I'm saying? I, I really feel like a guy like Bonnie Harry would be a star in the states, just based on you know the swagger the guy has, the way he fights. He's violent as fuck. So you know, it, you know, that's what my mission right now is to try to get kickboxing over here and try to get people more onto the kickboxing scene. Well, you know, it's funny because when I where, where I live at in Queens, I'm by Nassau County. So when you go out into Hempstead, there's a um, there's a place called the Platoish, and they do they do kickboxing there. So you know, there's a lot of smaller shows going on. I hear I hear about the Sunday night fights in the city. It, it, it's definitely starting to go there, but but like you were saying in in your most recent video, there needs to be a a mainstream push, a Showtime or an HBO or even an HD Net to really take it, a Mark Cuban to bring that to the states. I really do think that that's a a viable option. And why they haven't looked at it just to give people a, an, an alternative is beyond me. Yeah, it's, and it, you know what's funny? Today we had this big discussion on Twitter today with Michael Lavoy Chavello and a bunch of other people about, you know, supporting the local shows. And there's always going to be those smaller local shows. Like you said, you know, the, the Friday Friday night and Sunday night fights. And, you know, pretty much, you know, you're going to have those smaller shows. But you, you really need that big mainstream push. And like I said, in my video, I kind of urged, you know, Showtime or HBO or somebody or HGNet to even pick pick this up, you know, pick up K1, pick up at Showtime, pick up, you know, the major, major brands out there that, you know, people could watch. And people are going to be entertained because they're, they're, <clears throat> they're all kickboxing fights are pretty much entertaining. So, you know, and, and like I said, there was kickboxing back in the day on ESPN, too. I mean, they weren't yep. live fights, but you could watch the old, you know, K1 fights they had back in the day, even though they were late at night. But uh, hopefully it starts to garner some attention. Like I said, that's why I did that video to try to uh, get people to, you know, watch it, you know, uh, you know, try to get the attention of the higher-ups, you know. That's that's the only way it's going to do it, you know, the the petitions, the, the, the video blogs. You, you getting, uh, you doing a video uh, extolling the virtues of kickboxing and getting 35,000 views, people are going to fucking notice. That, that, yeah, it's as simple as that. So you know, don't don't quit that shit. Anytime you wake up and you're gonna quit, realize the frustration you're causing on someone's face, helping grow a sport that you enjoy. And that absolutely, and that's what I'm trying to do. And like I said, I, I 
it's got it's like I'm not like I'm not a cocky dude, but I'm not like the you know just a regular YouTube blogger anymore. Like you know, I get 50 views. Like I I got the attention of a lot of promoters, managers, and fighters. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you know the attention for that. And you know, I'm pretty much want to you know another thing I really want to help out is the women's MMA because I feel like you know that's they they always put on a good fight the girls. And with the you know Azufa buying our strike force and being the same that he doesn't want to continue with women's out? MMA. Yeah, yeah, like I said, because, you know, you don't, I don't know what's going to go on with women's MMA with Dana and the UFC buying out Strike Force. So, you know, like I said, I'm just going to try to encourage that. I'm going to try to do more positive things now instead of being, you know, always calling people out and trying to fight with people and, you know, like bring more recognition to certain fighters. You know, I'm working on a Gokhan Saki video now. You know, I'm going to work on a women's MMA video. You know, a lot of times I cause controversy and call people out and cause trouble. So I'm going to try to, you know, stray away from that. You know, when, when that time comes, I'll do that. But I definitely want to do some more positive things instead of, you know, being negative all the time and always fighting and calling people out. Dude, one of one of the one of the things that that got me following you and and, and watching all your videos was that when when you're wrong, you come out. You're like, look, I fucked up. Like when you were talking to, when you were giving John Jones a hard time, I saw I saw the pic of you having having a rock that form shirt. You know when he lost, and you you rocked it and you owned up to it. And that you know that that, that was a step in the right direction. I saw the shit you did with Greg Jackson, which was hilarious. Um, one thing, one thing I did want to ask you though, what, and I was talking about this earlier, if Zufa keeps women's mixed martial arts, what do you, what do you think they'd have to do to help it grow? I said that they should do a, an ultimate fighter with female fighters or even do an ultimate fighter with male and female fighters in the same house. I, I well, as far as the first the part where that goes, yeah, I'm definitely, I, when I make a mistake, bro, I'm, I'm not... I kind of hide, you know what I'm saying? I'm definitely man enough to come out there and fucking admit I made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? When, when I lost that bet with Melky and I had a way to John Jones shirt, I went looking for them to honor my bet. I didn't run away. I could have went home. You know what I'm saying? I went looking for them. And, and, and John, you know, for all the shit I talked about John, and, and a lot of it has to do with me being a pride, pride fighting championship nut hugger and, you know, and, you know, always supporting those guys, you know. That, uh, you know, I, John's a good dude. He really is. You know, he's, he's, every time I met the guy, it was like three or four times, he showed me nothing but love, regardless of the shit I talked about him. So it's, like, hard for me to, like, continue fighting and hating on a guy who's such a nice guy and, and just a talented guy in general. He's an entertaining fighter. You know, so, you know, like I said, like, I don't run away from, from shit like that. As far as what the what Zufa has to do, I think that's a great idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be real. The ultimate fighter is stale, bro. That show yep. was fucking stale as fuck. I I haven't watched this. I I don't even know. Is it on right now? I don't even watch that shit. But it's fucking garbage. The same fucking shit all the time. Fucking bunch of dudes in the house acting like complete fucking douchebags, peeing on each other's food, acting like idiots, breaking down the house. I don't want to watch that fucking shit, bro. You know what I'm saying? So you know what they should do is it would probably bring a more interesting. You know, if they change it up and had like a woman's, you know, it's the perfect time to do it now. Now that you got strike force. Now's the perfect time to do it, you know? Put all the ladies in the house and fucking, and, 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 and uh, you know, and, and change it up a little bit. So that's one positive thing to, to, to it. And you have, what, Gina as a coach or have this girl as a coach or whatever you want to do. And uh, you start focusing on that, you know? Cause like I said, women's MMA is fun, bro. It's a lot of, always, every, all the fights I watch are usually entertaining. You got stars. 
You got me up, Tate. You got Gina Carano. You got Cyborg. You got Marlos Coonan. You know, Sarah Kaufman. You got you got a whole list of elite women's fighters, you know. Uh, so that's what I, that's the angle they should take. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. I I mean, I know the talent roster is very thin, but if you don't it, it, it's one thing and and this was what I was saying earlier with the Ultimate Fighter it helped fill that roster with a lot of talented guys. I the, you can do that with women's MMA because there's female fighters, dude, I've never even heard of. I have to go and and YouTube and I have to go and and do some homework to learn about these fighters and see their fights that somebody films with a with, with a fucking cell phone at a fight instead of of having avenues for them to get more exposure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, man. It's, it, I, and that's it's a huge way of, of doing that, to, you know, focus on more of the talent because it's not really getting the light it should be getting, you know. it's you got to really, like, really, really, like, be a hard, 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 hardcore fan. It's like me. I don't even know half these fucking girls that are fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to, like, that's do right. the same you're doing, you know, and I'm a hardcore fan, and I don't even know because there's no spotlight on this sport. And they're out there, bro. They're out there. I'm just—they just have to get the right opportunities. The same thing with kickboxing. There's a lot of great, you know, great fighters out there that need to be brought out over here. You know, so uh, hopefully we get to see that in the future. Like I said, I'm gonna focus on that. I'm gonna do a video focusing on that real soon. Well, the last—the last thing I wanted to, to to pick your brain about is, um, you know, we got Strike Force this coming Saturday. It's—it's it's like the first big, you know, Strike Force under Zufa show. With Nick Diaz and Paul Daly um, as your main event, and you know, I just wanted to pick your brain on some of that. Um, Gegard Mousasi, of course, K1 kickboxer, MMA. He's fighting now Keith Jardine instead of Mike Kyle. Do, do you think, um, you know, let's say for argument's sake, Daly wins the belt? What do you think the UFC is going to do now with Daly as their champion? As far as the Daly versus Diaz fight goes, now mind you, I'm a fucking huge fan of both guys. You know, what I'm saying? I, I mean, yep. Nick Diaz is one of my. I love Nick Diaz, but I also like Paul Daly. You know, but it would be pretty fucking funny if Paul Daly won the title. I'm, I won't. I won't lie because see what you want about Paul Daly. You know, he's what he did with Koshchek, whatever. Was out of line. Was it the worst thing ever done in, in, in humanity if they're making it out to be like Dana White fucking making this out to be this huge thing? All right, the guy fucking lost his cool and he made a mistake. A lifetime ban, get, get over it already. There's been other shit worse than that, bro. All right, he made a mistake, you give the guy another fucking chance. You know, so it would be kind of funny if you won the title. I mean, like I guess I love Nick. Nick's one of my, Nick's on, Nick's on fucking, you know, Fedor and Shogun level for me. That's how much I love the guy. But uh, it would be, you know, and like I said, I'm also a fan of Paul, but it would be hilarious if Paul won just to piss these fucking people off. And, yep. and even now, him calling out Scott Coker about calling Coker a sellout, these guys, these guys can't wait for him to lose. They're going to they're gonna cut him if he loses. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Guaranteed. Yeah, I, I mean, he went on record and called Scott Coker a sellout. I mean, come on, the guy, the guy's crazy. He, you know, one thing he speaks his mind, and, you know, I kind of agree with him for most, most of the time. So that would be pretty hilarious if he won. You know, because they wouldn't know what to do with that fucking guy. As far as Musashi versus Jardine, I mean, come on, bro. You know, I, listen, I don't want to keep making predictions on fights. I've been, you know, wrong a little no, bit lately. But Pete <laughs> Jardine is going to get knocked the fuck out. Come on. Yeah, He's going to yeah, get knocked yeah, the fuck out. That, guy, that guy's on the downslide. You know, Musashi's going to run through him, as far as I'm concerned. And the other two fights, I said a great fucking fight, Kawajiri and Melendez. If you watched the first fight back in 06 and Pride. I actually thought Cavajiri won one decision. You know, went it went to Melendez, but it was such a close fight. It was a, one of the greatest MMA fights of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm actually leaning towards Cavajiri in that fight. And Aoki versus Beer Bomb. Uh, 
I think Aoki takes that. So overall, this is a really, really good card. It's kind of a stacked card, so we'll see how it is, you know, uh, with you know how it is on the zoo for production or whatever. But the fights pan should pan out. Yeah, I think I think what you were saying with Daly is is very true, and and most importantly, him having the belt is a huge bargaining chip because he he just holds the belt. He's like, I'm your champ. What are you gonna do? Fire me? You're gonna fire your champ? Go ahead. <laughs> Exactly, and listen, like I said, he he's in a position now, and I got to a big fight with with Mike Stracker. You know, I'm sure you know who that is today. Yes, where Mike, Mike Stracker, yeah, Mike Stracker was like I had no issues with this guy. I never did. You know, I never really, you know, I never really had issues with him. But he was like on a rant on Facebook and on Twitter, trashing Paul Daly, saying, "Oh, when he loses Saturday, nobody's even gonna know who he is." You know, he could always go back to Bama, Bama, fight over there in England. This is just really going on a tirade. And I just, you know, I got to a fight with him when I kind of flipped out on him today. But uh, we, we ended up squashing it, you know. But uh, like I said, fucking, if Paul Daly wins, it's going to be hilarious. Because now, you know, they never like him. And I'm pretty sure Coke don't like him now after, the, you know, the interview he did, he did about saying that he sold out. So it's going to be fucking funny, bro. Like I said, you know, he's right. Coke, I don't give a fuck about anybody. Everybody's going to argue me to the death. Oh, Coke tried to save Strike Force. I don't give a fuck if he did or not. I could give two shits. The fucking guy, whether he did or not, he's still he's the figurehead of Strike Force. He's the guy. He was the Dana White of Strike Force. So I'm gonna blame him, regardless of his his other people. Fucking, you know, his other the other part ownerships sold out. I'm gonna blame him because you know what? He's the figurehead. So he's. I'm gonna blame him because it's fun to blame him. And he's a fucking fat fuck, and he deserves to be blamed. All right, I don't even like Scott Coker, bro. I can't even stomach. Like I watched the interview, I can't even stomach that guy. Cause he's like a fucking like he's like he's like Zufa's bitch now to me. That's what you remind me like a little Zufa lap dog. Well, that's the funny thing because I remember this was the Scott Coker that you know when when Dana White was shitting on Strike Force and calling him Strike Farce and and you know giving him shit about about being in bed with M1. You know I I, I have I'm a fan of Fedor's. You know I I don't like the shit that that went down with M1, but also M1 has their own organization that has fucking good fighters as well. So. The shit with Coker to me is that he's exactly like you said. He folded as soon as he saw the dollar signs. This is a guy that you know stood up for his organization, and then he got a check with a couple of zeros, and he folded. Exactly, and that's, that's and people, you know, I went back and forth with people all fucking day. Oh well, he has to feed his family. He has to do that. He has to do that. Where the fuck is your pride and integrity, bro? You know what I'm saying? You were getting abused by fucking Dana White in the UFC. You were getting abused by them. At, well, Dana White. And interviews and they're shitting on your organization, calling you, you know, pretty much B class and this and that. And now you're fucking like, when I see him, I, like me, I, I don't know how anybody, anybody else sees him, but when I see him, I just see like a little bitch, like a fucking little Zufa lap dog bitch now. You're a robot, bro. You're a fucking puppet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you, you, he's trying to tell us all oh, Zufa doesn't have uh, Monopoly. Yes, they do, motherfucker. Of course they do. They fucking bought you up. There's no other fucking, there's nothing else. Bellator, I like Bellator, but they're no threat. You guys are the only threat. They bought you up. Exactly. And it's like, you know, I have no respect for the guy. As a man, I have no respect for him. I don't want to hear no shit about him supporting his fucking family. The guy got money in the bank already. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, like I said, he's a fucking, uh, just another pawn in the game. And, um, like I said, fuck, you know, as far as strike force goes, they can go fuck themselves. You know what I'm saying? They fucking... They fucking had a, a loyal following that people that supported them. They, you know, they 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 don't even do the credentials anymore. All the all the media people and journalists that actually supported them and didn't treat them like a second-rate promotion. 
Like, you know, they, they, they got their credentials pulled. You know, because now Zuby yep, does the credentials. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, bro, fucking Eddie Goldman, who's been, who was a longtime supporter of Fightful, had his credentials pulled. Fucking Loretta Hunt. Loretta Hunt's one of the most popular fucking and, and best journalists in the game. She got her credentials pulled. It's just fucking sad, bro. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they got no, they got no. I don't even call. I don't even want to call them a strike force anymore. They're Zufa Force to me. Zufa Force and UFC challenges. That's that's what that's that's. You know, they don't even get. They don't even get their. They don't even get that respect from me. They have had had their own brand because they're not their own brand. They're owned now. They're owned. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I saw. I got a I got a tweet, and I and you were copied on it also regarding the uh, the Rob Peralta fight. Um, you know, they were saying that they should try that we should go out there and mention that it should be televised with uh, Takaya. I've seen I've seen some YouTube videos of Takaya. He's no joke. I don't understand why that's not on the main card. I was surprised. Yeah, and and and, and Takaya, you know, street fighting band show. Um, that's a guy like he goes in there and he fucking bangs bangs out, bro. Very like if you're like a JMMA fan, you know who Takaya is. You know, he's the Dream Featherweight Champion. He's been you know fighting in K1 Heroes. Guy is really, really entertaining fight. I kind of, you know, had some people tweet um, Showtime and Strikeforce to, you know, if they have room to really televise that fight because, like I said, that guy always puts on an entertaining fight. And and since Strikeforce is now owned by Zufa, you know, Zufa usually tell, puts five fights on. Why is Strikeforce only putting on four? So maybe we'll see five fights. Who fucking knows? But definitely Takaya, uh, uh, you know, should be be a fight that everybody should see. Because like I said, if you like a guy who stands up and, and, and you know, he has pretty good takedown defense, stands and bangs, that's the guy you want to see. He's fun to watch. Hell yeah, absolutely. Well, the, before before I let you go, I got I to gotta ask you. Um, when you, when you're, how long does it take you guys to edit your videos, because dude, the, the music and, and and the production you put into it, and I, I particularly like to read the most recent video where the truck rolled by and it was like, what the hell was that? And you're like, yo, we're in fucking Queens. It's a truck. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I like I like the realness of that. How long, you know, how long does it take you guys to to produce that and then chop it up and make it YouTube ready? Is that something that takes you guys a couple of weeks or usually a week to bang it out or? Well, it all depends on uh, my brother Fahrenheit because he's like a fucking party animal. His kid's never home. He's always in Manhattan. He's a, I think he's at an MLP show right now. You know, he has his own life. So it's kind of hard. You know, without him, they, there is no me. I want people to understand that. I can't do this without him. Cause I, all I know how to do is go in front of a camera and talk shit. You know, without him, I don't. You know, he does the production, the video camera, you know, everything, the music, everything. You know, he's like the fucking orchestrator of this whole thing. So usually he bangs it out pretty quick though when he when he's not doing anything who can bang out the video in less than a day really with the production and as far as like you know how the video goes I pretty much go straight you know I fly off the handle without stopping you know what I'm saying maybe once in a while I'll fuck up and we'll do like a cut you know we'll do two cuts but for the most part I run it straight through you know what I'm saying I'm running straight through even like that, what you just said about the truck passing by he wanted to he gave me like the hand gesture like oh let's do it again I said nah fuck that just keep on going just, you know a truck passed by what are you gonna do you know what I'm saying so uh yeah I mean it, it takes up to a day depending on it all depends on Fahrenheit whatever he's doing I got that kickboxing video got done last week that kickboxing video could have been up right away but he was busy he had you know other things to do but like I said without that kid I wouldn't be able to do anything and like I and, and I've had other offers people offering me Oh, uh, can I do this for you? Can I be your editor? Can I, be, I can't do. I can't. I can't nope. even do it without him because I just feel you know I have that vibe with the kid. You know he's my brother. You know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah, and it's like when he's not there, 
Like, I can't do a video. Like, I had somebody else hold the camera for me one time. I just didn't, it didn't feel right, you know? So, you yeah, know, like I, I said, that. it all depends yeah. on him. I saw that when you had Fahrenheit on the video and somebody was holding the camera and you kept clowning the dude on the on the video. Oh, and afterwards. I think that's my, that's my other brother. That's my other brother holding the camera. He sucks. Uh, he, he, he sucks. Even the Misha Tate interview I did, that wasn't Fahrenheit. That was uh, that was somebody else. And it's just like, I, 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 have you, if you watch that Misha Tate interview, you can see I'm a little bit more like, I just don't feel comfortable without the kid there, you know? I feel a little bit more, like, I feel weird, you know? You were subdued in that interview, and, and it was funny because when you when you let her put you in the choke, you know, you, you livened up. You're like, yo, man, what the fuck you trying to do? Which was, which oh, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I, I, yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Fucking, I had a heart on during that interview, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's, I was a little fucked up. Like, I'm, I, that girl, like, she has a sick body, bro, and I, I, I was a little excited. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I did that interview with my dick, bro. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a, that's the raw, that's the raw honesty. I appreciate that. Dude, you, you, let me tell you, um, before I let you go, keep doing what you're doing. We fucking, you know, we support you here. I support you a hundred percent. But you know, even, even when we couldn't, when you couldn't make it last week, I plugged your shit because you need, you need it. You need it to be heard. You know, don't quit this, man. Even even if you wake up, just think of the, the the disgruntled faces every time you put a video out clowning somebody. That's it, man. Let that fuel you, man. Oh, absolutely, bro. Like I said, you always, I talk to you all the time anyway. You know, so I always, you know, I definitely support your show, this and that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got, I'm not going to stop anytime soon, especially now. I got too many offers on the table. I'm going to see how far I can take it and, you know, see where it goes from there. But, yeah, like, you you always show me fucking love, bro, always. Like, you're one of the dudes who always showed me love, so I really appreciate that. As far as the land show, dude, I swear to God, I, fucking, I was on my couch and I was pants <laughs> out. And when I woke up, I'm like, holy shit. I said, I was supposed to do the show, and I, I, I passed out. Like, even now, I was, like, half asleep. I was watching fucking some cheesy movie called Shark vs. Octopus. And uh, oh, I had, like, nice. one eye. Yeah, had one eye open. I said, you know what, I got I to gotta do this show. So I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate absolutely. it, man. No problem, Yo, bro. before 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 you roll out, can we get a uh, patented Bloodstain Lane outro, please? Absolutely, absolutely, bro. This is Bloodstain Lane here with my boy Rich from My Take Radio. For all you fucking people hating on us out there, go fuck your life. Respect the shooter. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know what? Go drink a fucking bottle of bleach too, you fucking bozos. All right, my brother. Thanks a lot, man. Yo, let's let's definitely link up, man. I'll buy you a fucking tropical fantasy and a slice of New Park. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Fifty cents order and New New Park pizza. You fucking you you already attracted me already, bro. I'm there. Dude, dude, I got I got a Spanish <laughs> I got a Spanish spot in the Bronx, man. Next time I see you, we'll we'll if I see you, we'll roll and and it'll let's be on go, me, bro. man. Rice, beans, right, plantains, bro. and uh, and pernil. I'm there. You got it, brother. Take care of yourself. Thanks for coming uh, uh, on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Rich. Talk to you later, bro. All right, brother. Peace. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks. That was Bloodstain Lane. You can catch him on YouTube.com slash the Team Takeover. I will be putting the link in our link section on MyTakeRadio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow him, Twitter.com slash Bloodstain Lane, B-L-O-O-D-S-T-A-I-N, Lane, L-A-N-E. Bloodstain Lane on YouTube team takeover look them up definitely give them the support we need more people out there not only raising awareness for the sport but just calling it like it is you know me coming out here for three hours and bullshitting with you guys i don't get paid for this shit i don't 
And I don't care if, you know, I offend GameStop or IGN or G4. I don't give a shit. They don't pay me. Video game companies don't give me free shit. Everything that we review, that we watch, that we look at, that we post on the site is stuff that we read and we put work into. Same thing with the videos we watch and the movies we watch. We buy the shit. We, we buy the DVDs. We buy the video games. Everything we do is with our own pocket. So we don't ha owe ourselves to anybody. And, um, again, follow Bloodstain Lane on YouTube. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Bloodstain Lane. Show your support. Let them know MTR sent you. And with that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, let's talk some video games, shall we? There's a lot to discuss. Um, one thing in particular that um, I definitely wanted to go into is the MPD situation that I didn't get to discuss last week. But with that, let's segue into some video games, shall we? Let's talk some video games, shall we? First off, MPD. A couple of things involving them that I wanted to discuss last week that I didn't get a chance to. So some of it might be old hat. If it is, you know, go pour yourself a soda and come back in five minutes. If not, listen on. The MPD released a list recently of the top ten highest grossing games of this generation. Surprisingly enough, the, the, the titles that are on here, very, very shocking. The number one top, test, the top ten best-selling video game of this generation based on gross sales, the number one game, is Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock. Call of Duty Black Ops was number two. Wii Fit was number three. Call of Duty Modern Warfare was number four. Rock Band was five. Wii, Pay, Wii Play excuse me, with the Wii Remote was six. Guitar Hero World Tour was seven. Wii Fit Plus was eight. Mario Kart was 9, and Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare was 10. These are the top 10 selling games of this generation but based on gross sales. Three Call of Duty games are on this list. I have a lot of, I have a lot of issue with this just because I almost want to say that these MPD lists, especially a list like this, top 10 lists to me are always... Just like assholes, everybody has one. Everybody has their own top ten list. I can go right now into a chat room and ask people, what are your top ten best-selling games of this generation? And I can get a multitude of different answers. A multitude. I can go Super Mario Kart, regular Mario Kart. I can go Pokemon, which has sold, you know, two million fucking copies of the newest game already. Um... We, you know, yeah, we got to throw Call of Duty in there. It's a billion-dollar franchise. It's a no-brainer. But some of the, the fact that there's three Call of Duty titles in this list is severely 
irritating. Like I said, it's something that just bugs me out that they would go to such great lengths to, to cite this shit. And I don't understand why they would do that. Personally, I'm surprised that Halo didn't make it, and, and Nisi brings up a valid point in the chat with Halo not making it. I, I was shocked. Halo's a huge franchise. Huge. It's, it's ridiculous, but I, that's one of my first issues with MPD, and there's another issue I'm going to go into later on in the segment. Um, Homefront, solid numbers already. According to THQ, the game sold a million units. I've been hearing really mixed reviews about it. Some people are saying it's bullshit. Some people really like it. Uh, 2.4 million copies have already been shipped. It sold a million. Uh, Brian Farrell, president of THQ, said that we are very pleased with the strong worldwide shipments and the sell-through for Homefront. And we continue to fulfill new retail orders for the game across the globe. I, I'm very surprised to, to hear that. Like I said, Homefront, very mixed reviews. Some people really, really like the multiplayer component and hate the single-player campaign. I haven't got the opportunity to play it yet. It's actually on my uh, Gamefly queue, but mixed reviews and a million copies already? I, I guess a lot of people are, are buying it based on hype alone. Like I said when I was discussing the MPD situation, the Pokemon series, black and white, within the first two weeks on the shelves, the game has sold 2 million units in the United States. That's in addition to the 5 million units in Japan. Fucking huge. The Pokemon phenomenon is ridiculous. And once again, top, top 10 best-selling games of this generation, and you don't include Pokemon that in two weeks bangs out 2 million units? Where the fuck are you guys with that shit? It's, it's absurd that nobody's giving, nobody's looking at these numbers a little deeper. In some Mortal Kombat news, of course, Mortal Kombat is due out this month. Uh, downloadable content has already been released, and men, you know, news regarding downloadable content has been released. Uh, the downloadable characters that will be available are Kenshi and Scarlet. Scarlet is actually based on a glitch that had made Katana, Melina, and Jade Red. She's actually going to be a hidden, unlockable character. And Kenshi, of course, will be the other downloadable character. Kratos is exclusive for the PS3 version. I have heard nothing regarding a 360 exclusive other than some little nuggets of shit that they're going to throw out there for the 360 owners. Right off the bat, I'm telling you, I'm picking it up for the PS3. I already pre-ordered it just because I'm, I'm, I'm a God of War fan. Kratos is no joke. And I just feel that the controller's on the PS3 are more fighting game friendly. The other thing regarding the MPD, which I wanted to discuss, and I would have discussed it in the beginning part of the segment, but my notes are a little thrown off again, just because some of this stuff is from last week, is that the MPD wants game companies to not release their numbers to the general public. The MPD does not want that information out. According to Gama Sutra, the MPD has asked, analysts like Michael Pachter to stop releasing game data, game data to the media. They, they stated the following, MPD would appreciate it if you and your teams refrain from providing any of our games data directly to the media. Read an email from MPD Executive Director of Client Development, Daniel DePino, in a Friday email to uh, Michael Pachter. This includes live discussions, emails, and or notes. In some cases, you may have to remove the media from your distribution list. Of course, Pachter is complying with MPD's request. This comes right after last October, the MPD deciding to stop giving monthly hardware unit sales figures out. And not only that, but they're also restricting the information given on software sales. This new move, of course, hampers sales data even more. Data that's easily available in other forms of entertainment, such as books and movies and music, is out there already. So why the fuck can't we get those numbers for video games? 
The MPD did respond saying that they're not trying to freeze out the media. They responded with the following statement. We have heard from our clients and retail partners that MPD information is increasingly out in the public domain without proper attribution, incorrect context, and in other ways that is not in the best interest of our clients or the industry. It is our responsibility and right to manage the usage of that information, and our financial services clients have agreed to help us and the industry in this regard. You know, I don't understand why you would hide this. We get box office totals. We get numbers uh, for, for books. Um, what's the big deal? That the number one selling console for six months was the Wii? Big shit. That obviously means Nintendo is doing something right. What, that the PlayStation 3 isn't moving as many units this month? Who fucking cares? Why can you not, in a, in a society where so much information is made public, when I can find out from FBI files on the fucking internet what bullet shot Notorious B.I.G., when I can find out information about Bin Laden, WikiLeaks, you mean to tell me that video game sales data is more crucial than national security? WikiLeaks fucking dropped a whole bunch of national security shit out there, which everybody read. What makes video game data so taboo? What is the big fucking secret? That's what I'd like to know. I really would like to talk to somebody from the MPD and ask them. Hell, I may actually make an attempt at doing that just because I don't understand the secrecy behind video game sales numbers. It's really unfortunate that they're doing all these little things and wanting to hide all these numbers. It almost makes it seem like you guys don't want us to know something bigger. The question is, what is it? It's, it's, it's sad that, like I said, in, in a society where so much information is public, you want to hide that Super Mario Brothers was the number one selling game for the month of December? Who gives a flying fuck? Put the shit out there. It allows people to speak about it and debate it. You know, one of the things I enjoyed about discussing MPD numbers was the, was the, the feedback I got from you guys in the chat and on air. You know, if I said, hey, Super Mario was the number one selling title for the month, you would be like, hey, what the fuck? But why is that the number one selling title? I'd be like, yo, it sold 65,000 units. How many conversations did most of you guys have with me via chat or on air regarding PS2 numbers and the fact that the PS2 was still selling, in some cases outselling, next-generation consoles? It's great information to have. It's great information that brings out discussion. And the fact that they're hiding this information raises a very big red flag, in my opinion, that there has to be some bigger shit going on. And some other numbers, you know, the funny thing is the MPD doesn't want their numbers out there, but companies are announcing their own shit anyway, like Nintendo. Nintendo put out a press release that the 3DS Day 1 sales were the highest of any handheld system in their history. So, you know, the company puts out a press release saying that they got the highest sales in history, but the MPD doesn't want the people, the people sharing those numbers. It's such fucking horse shit that just disgusts me, not just as a gamer or as a pseudo-journalist, which is something I was called recently, but just as a person who, who likes discussing these things passionately. It's like the, uh, MMA websites not sharing... Uh, top 10 ranking information. You want to know it only because it's wise to know it and it gives people things to discuss. Not only that, but it brings attention to your brands. Maxim, when Maxim puts out their top 100 women, there's always debate 
and I'm using Maxim as an example just because it's something they made a fucking special on E about the top 100 women in Maxim, and there were tons of debates. Oh, why is Ava Longoria number five? Blah blah. But that's the kind of shit that you want. You want people to discuss your medium, good, bad, or otherwise. It helps keep your product in the spotlight. And hiding those numbers to me is 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 a very shitty thing to do. And I am seeing that Slick is calling back. And I believe he probably has some information he wants to share. Slick, what's going on, dude? Guess Slick is out. Either he is out literally or figuratively. But I'm assuming by the sound of my voice, he will probably end up calling back. Moving on, Xbox 360 announced that they will be having a new disc format, which is supposed to be able to free up space on the physical medium. Now, the question is, is this because they're going to be adding more content in terms of, of just better cinematics, or is this only because they want to help the things load easier? I, I don't know. I know that there was a beta to test out some of the games. What it is, I do not know, because I didn't get the opportunity to sign up for it, because when the sign-up got to me, it was out. And based on what I'm seeing in the chat, everybody seems to be having a genuine chuckle with Slick. I, I am assuming that he probably stepped away from the phone or he, he may just be taking a little nap. Who knows? We'll see. Here's some news that I wouldn't thought I'd be talking about last week, much less this week. It's the return of Blood Rain. You remember Blood Rain, right? Hot vampire chick killing Nazis. They made a really shitty movie about it with Uwe Boll, which ended, ended up having a sequel, which was equally as shitty. Well, Wayward Technology is the developer of A Boy and His Blob, Contra 4, and a couple of other titles is actually bringing out Blood Rain Betrayal. The game is going to be a 2D side-scroller with new characters, gruesome puzzles, and a full arsenal of weapons, including Rain's signature arm blades and, of course, a deadly dose of bloodshed, according to the release. It should be available this summer on Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. And I see a flashing... Uh, a flashing light there, and I don't know if Slick is messaging. I see his hand is raised. Let's try this again. Slick. Yeah, what the fuck is it? <laughs> you all right? Fucking, I just said I called it again. You say I'm fucking napping. Because I clicked it, and I messaged, and I clicked the, uh, <laughs> I clicked the mic to unmute you because your hand wasn't raised, and there was complete deafening silence. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's all good, homie. Don't worry about it. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I don't know. What are you? What are you? What are you, what are you saying that I missed? <laughs> what? Um, the MPD situation was the last thing I was talking about before I went into uh, Blood Rain. I also talked about Pokemon selling two million copies. Well, like I said, I, I said called it when you said Pokemon. I said called it again when you, you were talking about the 3DS. The well, here's, Nintendo, here's the... Nintendo turned freaking March into their freaking... They, that's bank for the year. The only thing I got a problem with them now is I'm not saying they are, I'm not saying they are, but I haven't heard about them coughing up any dough for Japan and the whole nuclear relief, but that's a whole other issue. Well, you know, it's funny you said that because... Nintendo is, you know, you you instantly think of Japan when Nintendo is concerned, and it's weird. And and, and you raise a valid point. I've I haven't heard shit 
regarding that, whether they're doing it behind the scenes and don't want to be acknowledged, but you would think that such a public company would be doing something huge for, for you know, their home base. Well, you know, Nintendo's known for hiding shit, so like you said, maybe they are doing it behind the scenes. I don't know, I was on Facebook this morning, I forgot who. I think it was... I think it was audio. He, um... Somebody bought a, a theme on the, on their PS3 where the proceeds are going to Japan. Oh, okay. Well, then you know, I, I honestly think that not acknowledging not acknowledging it sometimes isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does raise a red flag just because to to the casual to the casual fan they're gonna be like, yo, what the fuck happened? You know, why isn't Nintendo caking out any money? Exactly. It's kind of like, yeah, there's one thing to be said for being humble, and that's if they're doing something. But that's if they're doing something. It's a kind of situation where you where you kind of need to toot your horn a little bit just because if you don't, people don't know that you're actually doing something. And in Nintendo's case especially, because, you know, the, they cater to a Japanese market. Like, we, not to say that we don't get a lot of the good shit, but you know Japan gets some of the really awesome stuff when yeah, it comes to Nintendo. With Sony, though. Yeah, but but uh, you know Sony is Sony kicking out any money? I haven't. I've heard different rumblings that Sony's doing different things. I think that if you get a theme on the PlayStation Network, the proceeds definitely go there. And I know that they have uh, donations. I believe it's on the PSN as well. I know Nisi mentioned it also in the chat. Well, yeah, the theme, like I said, one of uh, the um, dudes that we play Street Fighter with on Facebook, he, he it showed a, a message on Facebook that he had bought that theme today. I don't even know how much it is because I haven't really turned on, the only thing I've turned on my PS3 for is to watch movies lately. Yeah, I, I've, the PS3 hasn't been getting a lot of love. I. I actually, and it, and it was funny, it leads me to a, to a funny story with that. I got Uncharted 2 from Gamefly, and I was enjoying it. It was kick-ass. And I got to, like, the big, a major scene in the game where you're in the city engaging in combat, and the game just froze. Like, I walked, out of, I walked off a ledge, and there was no ground. It was completely yellow. And then the game just fucking rebooted. <laughs> so I was I was none too thrilled. I had to send it back to GameFly, and I'm wait, I'm awaiting a new copy. But um, that, wow. that's the first time. Yeah, dude, that's the first time in a while that the PS3's gotten some love. Just because I've been playing Marvel versus Capcom, and you know I've been working on other shit. But I was I was pissed that damn first time I turned it on in a while, and the game is fucking defected. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything about Uncharted in terms of that. Like, most of the people I know who played it were able to play it all the way through and, you know, had a great time. So hopefully it was just that disc. Well, that, well while, I have you on, while I have you on the air, I am. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this, this MPD information, especially because you look at a lot of numbers with me in regards to console sales and, and shit like that. The MPDs decided that they don't want any of their information out there. Do you th what do you think of that, man? Because me, me personally, it, it definitely pisses me the fuck off. Because it's like, you know, why can't we be told and why can't these numbers be shared? You know, it, may, it raises a lot of great debates. It raises conversation. It shows companies who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong. 
I want to know why the fuck they're hiding that information. And on a quick side note, Nintendo is money, giving money to the earthquake relief. Oh, nice. Appreciate it. Glad you got that info. But it's like, what is the reasoning behind hiding this information? There's, I can't think of one good reason to hide it. Because like you said, it's it's like, NCD is like, billboard for for video games and, and a lot of other stuff too but it's like the only thing that really keeps track of video game sales There's, it's like you have the billboard top 100 that tells you like which artists are, are doing something and which who is it why wouldn't you share that information for video games that's right you know it, it, it raises a lot of it raises a lot of great debates and I, like I said, there seems to be more to it. Either either one of the companies got pissed off, or somebody said something because they just they just started yanking the numbers systematically. Like first it was systems, now it's games. Now they don't want people giving the game data directly to the media. I don't understand what the big secret is, what they're hiding, because it's it's insane that they've that they've gone to such great lengths and it, and it's become so public that they don't want their shit out there. My thing is like, are your numbers really legit? Because that's the only that's the only thing I can think of why you would want to hide this information. Well, that that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of the segment too about the number one, the top ten selling games for, for you know this generation based on gross sales. Like Guitar Hero three of all titles, really? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're talking about overall sales because. You know, Guitar Hero 3, course, it was like the whole situation with Avatar. Because you got a freaking 3D movie and everything. Maybe it's because it costs like twice what a game normally costs. And you got to buy the guitar and everything else. Could be. Yeah, it could be that. It might It might be that the numbers are skewed based on, 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 the, on, the, on the stuff that's being sold with it. But the funny thing is that they cited Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock as number one, but then when you scroll, when you go down the list, Rock Band is number five, then Guitar Hero World Tour is number seven. So looking at this list, it's like you got almost duplicate genres. You got an entire, an entire category of Call of Duty. You got some casual Nintendo games and, and music. Like there's no, you know, what do you mean to tell me that there weren't any any platformers, any side scrollers, any adventure games that that could have been in this list? Like that, like that's the shit that jumps out at me. That's that's odd. You know, Mass Effect, uh, Halo, Gears of War. Where, where the fuck are all these games in terms of of, of sales volume? And you know what? Super if the Mario MPD would have given the Super Mario Galaxy, if the MPD would have given us those fucking numbers, hell, we'd be able to have a more intelligent discussion, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, the only thing I could think of why, you know, Pokemon wouldn't really be on our list is, like, you have a game that's anywhere from 30 to $35 versus $60 games. That is true, but, but even still, you know, 2 million copies speaks a lot of volume, you know, and, and what I really would like to see, and this is what, to, to add to what you were saying, is how the 3DS is stacking up against the other consoles right now. Boy, would I love to see that list. I mean, I went to the I went to the Nintendo World launch, and while there was a line, it wasn't super long, and it cleared out in about 
under half an hour. But wow. their main their main launch in New York City wasn't at Nintendo World. It was at the Best Buy in Union Square. Reggie Reggie me was at Union Square. He wasn't at um, Nintendo World. That's very strange. But they actually they did a whole day event. That shit went from twelve in the afternoon to two in the morning at Union Jeez. Square. They That's opened crazy. up at midnight at Nintendo World to sell the 3DS, and then they closed up right away till the next day. Hmm. Very interesting. I mean, it makes sense. Nintendo World, I mean, it's probably easier to utilize Union Square because they always have shit like the the, um, the farmer's market there versus getting Rockefeller Center. And it's probably cheaper, too. Hmm. That is very strange, but I find I I find that to be very strange that they would invest so much energy into a, into a a location like Best Buy. Not to say that it, that it, that it wasn't smart, but you know you have a flagship store in the city. Like like why didn't you do it there? Like there's a there's a lot of weird shit going on in 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 the video game industry, in my opinion, especially when it comes to sales figures and certain launches and certain events. I don't know, man. Something something definitely seems amiss. I think it probably. In a way, it, it's weird, but in a way it makes sense because I don't know if you've been to the Union Square Best Buy. I, I, I was there when Super Mario Galaxy 2 came out. I mean, just in terms of volume, it's a much, much larger store. They Both both stores have two floors, but it's, it would be like comparing uh, like a, a two-family house to like a small mansion. Sure. That's crazy. Like, I mean, when they did the Super Mario Galaxy launch there, they had freaking Hot 97 on the first floor with DJs and shit doing giveaways and all kinds of shit. And then they had the second floor strictly for sales. Huh. That's the... I don't know, man. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some digging around I may, I may have to. Uh, I'm going to take a shot and write to the MPD because, because this shit, this, the, all these numbers seem severely skewed. You know, this whole set of information said it, it seems extremely skewed. Not to mention also the the information from, for like I said, the the top ten games of uh, of this generation. I, I definitely am. I'm intrigued to see what kind of a response they give me. I hear you on that, man. Hopefully they actually do respond. Well, we'll see what's up. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Nah, I'm good with that to the movies. I'll let Jedi right, have his word. All right, brother. Later. All right. Jedi Hillis from VGN Radio that broadcasts Hi. Sundays. What do you got, my friend? Hey, man. It's been forever. I've been wanting to call in for the last few shows, but I kept missing it. So finally I'm getting here on your show. How you doing? I'm good, man. Hanging in there. We just wrapped up with Bloodstained Lane. We talked about MMA extensively and, um, you know, banging out some movies, my friend. What do you have? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had so much to talk to you about. Um, MMA was going to be one of them, but since we're on video games, I kind of wanted to throw a few things out there for you and see what you think. Uh, first sure. of all, do you, that, do you actually have a 3DS or have you played one? Yes, I did. I've, I've played a 3DS now on five separate occasions. Okay, so you've probably already given your impressions, but 
for those like me who are probably behind, how, what what do you think of it? Like, what are your initial impressions? My my initial impressions are Slick actually owns one. I play I've played it, and I was planning to get one for my sister as well. Initially, I think that the technology is is very advanced. It's very nice, but they're but they just didn't invest enough into a pre into a into a launch lineup that warranted people going out there and getting it in droves. I know at least 10 people that have told me that they haven't picked one up yet because there's no legit game they want to buy. Sure, you can say Super, you know, Super Street Fighter 4 3D, but it's buying Street Fighter all over again. Like, there's no original game that made people want to flock to buy it. And I think that's one of the things that dissuaded me from, from getting one for my sister so sooner. Because I'm like, there's nothing she's going to want to play. She's going to play the same shit that's, that she already has on her regular DS. I think that the technology is very, very advanced, and it shows a step in the right direction for Nintendo in terms of, of moving consoles forward. I just feel yeah. that at this juncture, they should have they should have invested some time in giving people a Mario or, or a Kid Icarus or a Legend of Zelda, you know, some first-party title to, to give people more incentive to buy it. Or they could have held off on Pokemon Black and White and put that on the 3DS. That would have sold immediately. Right. Yeah, yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. Because, see, here's the thing for me. Um, I played it at, like, a Best Buy, and I, all they had on there was, like, the Pilot Wings demo. And so I don't have anything against Pilot Wings. You know, I played it when I was on the Super Nintendo and everything, and it's, it's kind of fun for what it is. But I kind of thought that, like... I don't know about you, man, but this thing feels really cheap to me. Like when I was reading about it, like from last E3, like all the all the reviews and the people talking about it, all the editors were all you know high on the sauce. You know, they were just talking about how unbelievable it, it looked and how amazing it looked. And and like it, 3D without glasses appeals to me because I wear glasses, so I don't want to wear like another set of glasses. But I kind of right. felt like when I when I was playing it. Like, I don't know about you, man, they, but my eyes were just bugging out. Like, I couldn't put it on 100%, uh, 100% 3D and actually get the effects to work properly where I felt like I could just be comfortable standing and playing the, the machine. And so I kind of felt like the idea is ahead of its, uh, is ahead of the actual hardware. You know, like, it's a step in the right direction. I agree with you there because I think that that idea is cool. But after playing it, I'm like, you know what, Nintendo has historically put out a light version of, you know, just about all their handheld consoles. You know, in about a year's time, I'll bet you they'll put out something that's smaller and has a better screen and everything like that. And But honestly, dude, I mean, uh, the graphics aside, and I completely agree with you what you said about the launch library, that's like an even another thing, you know, to, that, that I, I felt too, is that, you know, I don't want to really, before I even play this thing, I'm like, there's not enough games, I'll wait till December. But now I'm after playing it, I'm like, you know, maybe they're going to make this even better in a year. And so I'm kind of like, you know, torn. Like, should I pick it up because it's, you know, this is a 3DS and I should have one, you know, just to have one and, the, you know, the eventually the good games are, you know, should I just wait a year to see what else they, they come up with, you know? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'll just bounce my thoughts off here. Well, no, you you know what's funny about that? Like like I said, my, my, my sister's very, uh, a huge uh, handheld gamer. She's owned every, every Game Boy slash... DS that's been that's been out all the way up to the newest one, um, except the XL only because you know the it, I saw no relevance in buying it for her. And one thing that did concern me was the 3D, the lasting 3D effect 
for people that wear glasses. Um, right. My sister wear my sister wears glasses. Um, my fiance wears glasses, and I have noticed that even when watching standard 3D broadcasts with glasses, it does cause um, headaches and certain issues. I think that one of the things with the 3DS that that a lot of people are saying is that you need you need to have almost a period of adjustment for your eyes to get used to viewing a screen that allows you to view 3D like that. I think that's one factor that people are going to have to try. I think that if you, in your situation, if you wanted to buy it, get it from a place that has a solid return policy and try and play it consistently to see if your eyes adjust. Because a lot of people have been telling me that the eyes, you know, your eyes will adjust to the 3D effect. But right. on the flip side of things, if there's no launch titles, you're going to go drop 249 You're going to drop almost $300 to play Street Fighter Four again. Right, right, yeah. And I don't need and I don't need it on the handheld. You know, that's the thing. It's it's like right now, you know, the MGP is, is starting to appeal more to me because I mean, let's let's forget about how much it's gonna cost for a second. At least hardware wise, this thing looks like a beast. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm getting a next generation piece of hardware. And when I when I was playing pilot wave, I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, this doesn't this doesn't feel much better than a normal D S game me outside of the fact that it has a really sort of cheap joystick that I thought was kind of whack. Um, hold on a sec. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, my brother walked into my room. Um, and um, I, I mean, I was just really disappointed holding it. It felt like a toy to me. Now, I understand that that's Nintendo's thing. You know, they appeal to a younger a younger audience. And, um, you know, they're not trying to get the adults like myself necessarily, unless I'm a hardcore gamer. But I don't know, man. I'm just kind of disapp- I'm kind of let down, and I just think that I don't know. I, I mean, obviously it's going to be a huge success because it's Nintendo, but I kind of was hoping for more out of them, especially for a two hundred and fifty dollars system. But I don't know. We'll see. You know, the, the Metal Gear Solid is going to come out on it. I'm a, I'm a big Metal Gear fan, so maybe that will be the one that, that hooks me, and I have to play it. But um, I don't know. Well, you know, the NGP, and, and you'll probably find this amusing, I, I look at the NGP as a really hot chick in the club that may have AIDS. Really beautiful <laughs> on the outside, possibly rotten on the inside. The NGP right. is exactly that on paper. It's, it's beautiful, it's shiny, it's, it's, it's next generation, but it won't mean jack shit if it doesn't have a stable library of games. I'm not going to pay $300 to pay to play PS1 games that I that I'm that I would have played on my shiny PS3. I'm not going right. to pay $300 to get God of War uh, you know a fresh God of War that's pretty much the same as every other or uncharted. You're not giving me any incentive other than oh look it has pads on the back and all this and all these beautiful uh technological advancements. I've always said it and I'll continue to say that in that Nintendo prides itself on using its first-party franchises to sell units. Sony prides itself on using hardware and then skimping on the software. And then they blame that for the excuse why they actually use piracy as the excuse that their consoles fail. Your consoles fail because you don't got shit out there. Right, right. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's, Sony has been historically, I think, sort of slow in, in churning out the AAA titles. You know, even everybody remembers the PS2 and how great the system that was. But, you know, for people like me who went out and bought the PS3 when they're like, you know, within the first six months, there still wasn't anything out for it. You know, like Oprah's big 
big game was Adi Musha, and that came out like at least six months after the system was launched. So, I mean, I, I completely agree with you that games are going to sell it, and that's the one thing I will keep. I, that whatever happens with the 3DS, that that's the thing that will keep me the 3DS afloat. And that was actually going to transition to the second part that of the things that I was going to, that I wanted to talk about with you is that I was thinking about this. I was playing a, a JRPG um, by the name of Nier. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's like a Square yeah. Enix game. I was just sitting there and I'm playing this, and I and I thought to myself, what the hell happened to Japanese developers? Like somewhere along the line, did they just like forget how to make good games? Because it just seems to me that outside of maybe Nintendo, which I give Nintendo a hard time because I, you know, they always turn out the same type of game. You know, they've got 150, you know, Super Smash Brothers and and whatever. They're probably the only people doing it right. You know, they're sticking to what they know, and people know exactly what they're going to get when they're buying it. It's like you used to know what you were going to get when you bought a Final Fantasy game, and now it's like you have no idea. (laughs) Their Final Fantasies change every time, and they're getting progressively worse. And so I'm just, I mean, am I the only one that feels this way, or do you understand where I'm coming from on that? Oh, no, I, I get you 100%. I think that's what's ha- that, what, that what happens is you're looking at, at two different demographics. The Japanese demographic appreciates games from from more artistic standpoint. Meanwhile, when you come across, uh, across shores to the U.S., uh, people want more style and less substance. And Japan is just catering to that. Originally, you'd take games like Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger... Pokemon, um, Final Fantasy VII, not the most graphically intensive games out there, but solid storytelling, engaging gameplay, and just a necessity for people to continuously play them. What's been happening as of late, though, is that people don't want that shit. Everybody wants, well, developers are thinking that everybody wants to see beautiful, shiny 1080p graphics and that they can kind of skimp on the gameplay and the storytelling. And the, the problem is that that trend is starting to rub off and, and people are starting to see it for what it is, which is complete bullshit. So right, that's what's right. happening. I think, I think it's just a catering to, to, to this demographic that's more, that's more into graphics than gameplay and, and real unique storytelling. I mean, that that's happened consistently with a lot of big releases. You play them and you're like, didn't I play this shit before? There's no right. there's no originality to bring it out there. Right, right. And, and I mean, that's just the thing is that I feel like every time I see a Japanese game now, you know, it's all like, ah, nah, nah, nah. you know, some girl singing in the background and a halfway effeminate-looking person that you, you don't know if it's a guy or a girl, you know, running around beating up, you know, ambiguous-looking creatures. And I'm just like, what is this? This looks like every other piece of crap that I've seen come out of Japan that's probably good for, like, hardcore JRPG players or hardcore, um, you know, guys like that or the people in Japan. But I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I'm, it makes me kind of depressed because I'm sitting there and I'm playing Nier, and Nier is like a game that, dude, if you look at it, if you just look at it without, you know, playing it at all, it looks like... PlayStation 2.5. I mean, that term has been used before, but this really does look like it doesn't belong on the PlayStation 3. If it came out for Wii, you'd be like, wow, this is good graphics for the Wii. But sitting there as like a third or fourth generation, you know, PlayStation 3 title, like, what happened to this game? This is Square Enix. You know, these guys, you know, should have some money behind them, but they just kind of like half-assed it. 
and then throw it out there, and they're like, this is our game to appeal to the Western audience. And they still can't get, like, good voice acting in it. It's like, how long has it been since, you know, they, they seriously can't hire good voice actors? Like, I think that that's got to be, like, the easiest job in the gaming industry, you know, is hiring a voice actor because, you know, in most jobs you have to have some sort of skill set to be hired, and some of these guys sound like they just picked them straight up out of the bar and gave them, you know, a, a script and said, here, read this. And you know, try to make it work. So I just don't know. I think that they're just they're just falling behind. And and outside of a couple standout titles like Vanquish and and uh, you know Bayonetta, and maybe some of the you know some of the premier titles like that, you know, like we're not going to see much come out of out of the the Japanese um, developers that really I think catches the mainstream attention. So I don't know. I wanted to rant about that. Well, but, but before but before you roll out, I, I'll tell you what we've become. We've become a, an FPS-driven uh, gaming society, so to speak. Everything is an FPS. You know, the, you look on the shelves, there's 17 different types of, F, uh, of FPSs. You're shooting zombies, you're shooting fucking Germans, Japanese people, uh, babies, you, giant pigs. There's no... There's no necessity to apply yourselves to give us something original. And then when original stuff comes out, you get 25,000 people going, man, that game fucking sucked. Like, a great example of that is Darksiders. Darksiders isn't for everybody, but it's a very well-done, artistically fantastic game. Does it play like God of War? Yeah. Is the storyline something we've seen before? Sure. But it was engaging enough to be different. Bayonetta is another great example. People were quick to, oh, this game is all about this chicken, this tight-ass leather, and all this shit, not realizing that the gameplay was fun. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I completely agree with you on that, on the first-person shooter thing, is that, you know, I'm I'm so... I don't know, man. Me, personally, I, I, I grew up on fighting games, same as you. You know, we're not too far apart in age, so we, we grew up on stuff like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and those are the games that, you know, we love to play. And when a new Street Fighter comes out or Mortal Kombat, and, you know, we're happy to see it come back. And so, but, you know, and this probably the same thing is going to happen to this generation eventually. First-person shooters are going to run their course. And yep. kids are going to come back. And, you know, it'll go through, a, you know, a decline, the dark ages. And then it'll make a return. Somebody will come out and they'll be like, here's Call of Duty, you know, the return, the reboot. You know, like they do with movies every year, every five years. But, uh, <laughs> excuse me. But yeah, I'm just kind of I'm kind of tired of it right now. It's it's just not the gaming. I mean, what am I trying to say? I wish there was more out there. You know, I wish there were more like solid JRPGs out there because I was I was trying really hard to find one. You know, I was looking online and trying to looking at different um, you know scores and, and and I mean there really aren't that many. And it's it's you know there's part of me that wants like fulfill that need to play a good JRPG but this, but because everything is is sour over in Japan right now and it's we're such a an oversaturated first person shooter market you know I'm kind of I'm kind of limited in my, in my choice you know at at the moment and that's not to, that's not to say there are other great games out there and there's not a lot of unique games I th- I think that the independent game industry is really starting to thrive with like having um you know Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network and having those those types of um, platforms to launch on, I think that that's where you see a lot of the, the original titles start to come out. But, you know, I, I just wish that, I guess, you know, people are going to disagree with me, but I just wish that the call calls duty, duty thing would die, and then next year we can get back to, like, spreading out, you know, their creativity a little bit. 
I agree. I really would like to see some new innovation for sure. For sure. All right, buddy. Well, plenty more I could talk about, but you got a, you got a lot of a show left, so I'm gonna go do my thing, and I will call in next week with uh, some more stuff to bounce off you. Appreciate your time, man. Ah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you calling in. Thanks again. Absolutely, man. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks, bro. Later. Later. <laughs> that was Jedi from VGN Radio. You can listen to him on the VGN Radio Network. You can get the show schedule at VGNRadio.com. Last bit of gaming news I want to bang out. Uh, one particular thing that really, really, really annoyed the shit out of me is EA Sports. EA goes out of their way to piss in my fucking cornflakes at least once a month with their fucking scumbaggery and their bullshit. Of course, a couple of months back, EA decided we're going to put out NBA Jam. Everybody flocked and bought it. They paid their 40 or 50 bucks. What happens? NBA Jam drops. Some people get traded. Some people get moved to new teams. What happens? Hey, EA, when are you going to let us download or when are you going to give us a roster update for NBA Jam? Oh, guess what, guys? Fuck you. We're not. Big uproar, blah, blah, blah. Here's what these fuckheads at EA decide to do. They take it upon themselves to make you buy NBA Jam. NBA Jam's a fun game. It, it, it was a throwback to my childhood. And, and, you know, in a, in a society of downloadable fucking content, Madden gets roster updates, baseball games get roster updates. You can do the same shit for NBA Jam. No. EA just, EA just wants to fucking take the glove off and shove their hands straight up gamers' asses. With this, NBA Jam is getting a follow-up titled NBA Jam on Fire Edition. The game will be available in October for Xbox Live and the PSN. The new version is going to have opponent, new opponent AI, revamped visuals, and new online features. In addition to that, you're going to have co-op road trip campaign and roster updates. What the fuck? You stupid bastards. So anybody that went and paid 40 bucks for NBA Jam... You have a $40 fucking paperweight. And if you bought the game super, super new, you probably paid 50 bucks. It is worth shit. So now, you, got, you get this new one for Xbox Live and the PSN. Did you really have to rape my pockets? Did you really just have to chloroform my pocket and stick it to my pocket raw? Couldn't you just fucking wait and put the game out on Xbox Live and the PSN? No, we gotta we gotta be greedy fucks and continue to fuck gamers in the ass with no lube. You know, I thought I could get through a couple of episodes without EA just crawling up in my asshole and setting up a tent and being annoying, but no, this is bullshit. Not only because people bought the game, but because you fucks went out of your way to tell people, oh. You guys aren't getting a roster update. And then a week later, you turn around and you fuck everybody. Oh, fuck you, EA. Fuck you. Last but not least, Killzone 3 is getting some downloadable content in Europe first. 
The DLC is going to be titled Steel Rain. You're going to get two new maps, Junkyard, and Gor which is a guerrilla warfare map, and Stall Arms, which is a war zone map, which is going to be set in the Helgon weapons manufacturing plant. That pack is going to be available to PlayStation Plus subscribers the first month out. It's going to run you $4.99, uh, $4.99, Euros, I guess, and it's going to be $4.99 in the U.S. North American gamers can expect to pick it up on April 12th. All right, we're going to do some movie news. I am seeing that the timer is quickly, quickly running down, so we are going to get into the movie news real fast. And, yeah, we're going to breeze through it a little bit, but there's a couple of things i got to share with you guys, so let's hop to it, shall we? Let's talk some movies first. In some reboot news, Child's Play is on its way back to the silver screen. MovieWeb is reporting that a remake that has been on hold due to legal issues will be beginning production later this year. Brad Dourif will be returning for the, as the voice of Chucky, and it's going to be more of a reboot than a sequel, with a darker tone and less comedic elements. Uh, does anybody even give a shit about fucking Chucky? Really? Who cares? It's a fucking my buddy with, with, with a speech impediment and a knife. Nobody cares. What's he going to do? Go after fucking Andy again? And I want a body, Andy. Ugh. Here's, here's some casting that, while fitting, is just stupid. Deadline is reporting that Will Sasso has joined the cast of the Three Stooges movie. Sasso will be playing the character of Curly. Gee, who the fuck else is he going to play? Larry or Moe? The plot will see the trio left as newborns outside an orphanage and will follow them into adulthood, as the full film is being divided into three half-hour shorts. So Will Sasso will be playing Curly. Of course, you guys already know that Zack Snyder has, picked, has chosen Amy Adams to portray Lois Lane in the Superman reboot. She joins Henry Cavill, who's going to be playing Clark Kent in Superman, while Kevin Costner plays Jonathan Kent, and Diane Lane plays Martha Kent. In some DC movie news, Warner Brothers president Jeff Rubinoff spoke about a couple of things. When asked about the possibility of Wonder Woman as a film down the road, he said that Wonder Woman could be a film the same way Superman Returns came out while Smallville was on. When asked about the future of Batman, he said that they'll be doing a third Batman, and then they're going to reinvent Batman to introduce him into a ju potential Justice League franchise scheduled to be released at some point in 2013. So... They were saying that the film was originally scheduled to be done in 2008, but was killed because of the writer's strike. They are hoping to present a competing version of Batman as opposed to the Christopher Nolan version we've seen. So you're getting possibly a Wonder Woman movie, a reinvented Batman after this third one, and a Justice League flick. Speaking of Superman and DC news, on June 7th, you'll be able to pick up the Superman motion picture anthology on Blu-ray. You're going to get the following movies. Superman the movie, the original theatrical version, 
Um, in addition to that, it's going to come loaded with some of the original 1943 Warner Brothers cartoons. You're then going to get on the second disc, Superman the Movie, the expanded edition, which is the Richard Donner version. On the third disc, you're going to get Superman 2. On, on the fourth disc, you're going to get the Superman 2 Richard Donner cut also. On disc 5, you're going to get Superman 3, the theatrical version. And disc 6 is Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. And lastly, you're going to get Superman Returns, and Disc 8 is going to be bonus material, which is going to have, you know, the mythology of Superman and a whole bunch of stuff. So you're going to get eight discs of Superman June 7th. So if you're a huge Superman fan, you can pick up the anthology June 7th on Blu-ray. In some box office totals, Hop was number one, which I was very shocked, considering all the great reviews I heard about the source code. Insidious was number three. Diary of a Wimpy Kid was four. Limitless was five. The Lincoln Lawyer was six. Sucker Punch was seven. Rango was eight. Paul was nine. Battle Los Angeles was ten. Now, I wanted to just talk something about Sucker Punch. It is number seven. It had a 68% drop. It's made $29.9 million domestically and $36.4 million worldwide on an $82 million budget. Definitely not looking good for Sucker Punch. I definitely can see that on Blu-ray or DVD very soon. Last two bits of movie news. Uh, Jeremy Renner has been offered the role in The Bourne Legacy. Renner will be appearing, of course, as Hawkeye in Thor and in The Avengers. So Jeremy Renner may be taking over for uh, The Bourne role, made famous by Matt Damon. Other actors rumored are Shia LaBeouf, Taylor Kitsch, and even Oscar Isaac are rumored for the roles. And last but not least, in some Wolverine movie news, of course, with the, uh, with the Darren Aronofsky uh, departure, they are searching quickly for a new director. As of right now, they're looking at Duncan Jones, who did the source code, and Moon. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Check out Moon with uh, Sam Rockwell. It's a very great movie. Um, Duncan Jones is very talented. I really would like to see how he would envision the Wolverine franchise to move forward. Should be interesting choice if he gets picked. David Slade did the Twilight Saga Eclipse and 30 Days of Night. Slade is also rumored to be moving on to the Daredevil reboot and may not be the one chosen for Wolverine. So Duncan Jones and David Slade are your two potential directors. As such, I think Duncan Jones will be able to do the Wolverine series justice given the fact that he works um, a little bit different than other directors. If you see Moon, you'll understand why, and even the source code, he, he's about really great storytelling. He doesn't go out of his way to get super, super name actors. It's a really solid movie. Um, he's a really solid director. He was actually on Sirius XM's Ron and Fez show, and he really showed uh, a great understanding of the, of the sci-fi genre, and I think he'd, be do, he'd do good for Wolverine. So we shall see what happens with that. All right, folks, that actually is going to wrap up tonight's show. I was actually concerned that we, were run out, we would run out of time, but given the fact that the movie news were a little light, mind you, it's two weeks' worth of movie news. It shows you what's going on in Hollywood. Jack and shit. All right, let's get some plugs out of the way, of course. RazorClothing.tv, uh, My Take Radio guest Razor Rob's clothing line. He, Razor Rob, of course, fights for Bellator. And if you're interested in checking it out, you can head to RazorClothing.tv. Tonight's guest, of course, was My Take Lane. Uh, excuse me, My Take Lane, Bloodstain Lane. 
and you can actually look up his video blogs on youtube.com slash the team takeover. You can also follow him on Twitter, twitter.com slash bloodstain lane, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash bloodstain lane as well. Got to give a shout out to our crew from last week, Future Endeavors. You can check out their site at future-endeavors.com and also their broadcast colleague and also fellow show host, Fat Man After Dark. You can check out his show on Wednesdays, and you can get more information at fatmanafterdark.com. Brendan Schaub, one of our past guests, heavyweight fighter for the UFC. You can keep up with Brendan on Twitter, or you can go to his website, which is brendanschaubmma.com. Got to give a shout-out to Billy Nichols, formerly of Beantown Gamer. If you want to find out what Billy's up to, head over to analoghype.com, and you can check him out there. The crew from GamerFit Nation, of course, for supporting MTR, as well as the crew from DualShockers. Michael Jai White, like I said, was scheduled for the episode on the 21st. May not be the case, but definitely keep an eye out April 12th to see the first of the live-action Mortal Kombat miniseries that he announced right here on MTR. Also, of course, last but not least, the crew from Girl Gamer the ladies from Gaming Angels, and the guys from MMA Gospel, and, of course, our broadcast part, our content partners, MMA Valor, and This Is Wrestling Podcast. Check those guys out. And, of course, the talented crew from VGN Radio, vgnradio.com, for all their show information. And the crew from Born Stubborn Radio, you want more information on Born Stubborn, head over to bornstubbornradio.com. You can also find them on Twitter, at Born Stubborn, and on Facebook ocremix.org for all their kick-ass music, and 411 Mania and MMA Junkie for their great wrestling and MMA news. That's it, folks. My Take Radio episode 86 for April 7th, 2011 is in the bag. If you have any questions or concerns or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can hit me up at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter and you want to keep up with what we're up to, you can follow my personal account. It's twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25. And you can also follow the show account, twitter.com slash mytakeradio. If you're in the wasteland of MySpace, we're on there as well, myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And, of course, our always and ever popular Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash mytakeradio is where you go to become a fan if you aren't already. Last but not least, My Take Radio has two apps, one in the Android Marketplace, one in the iTunes Store. $1.99, cheaper than a latte. You have My Take Radio with you in your pocket at all times. Get access to exclusive content. We're also going to start doing different wallpapers and different bits of art to include in there. So you can head to the Android Marketplace or to the iTunes Marketplace, and it will run you $1.99. Pick it up. Check it out. Have MTR with you at all times. Keep spreading the word, folks, and we'll keep giving you three hours of kick-ass audio every week. Tune in next week. My guest will be Strikeforce, uh, Strikeforce superstar and actor Kung Lee. He will be joining us next week uh, for the 21st. Like I said, we're still working on it. And for the UFC 129 panel, there's going to be some special surprises. Thank you guys for the support. Thanks for Bloodstain Lane to come for coming through. And, of course, Big shout-out to our always hard-working staff, Slick, Mist, my fiance Andrea, Bronx, Josh, Ant. Thank you guys for all your hard work and for all the work you put into MTR. That's it, folks. I'm out. I will see you guys next week. 
That's it. Peace.